Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I learned here that there can be no true despair without hope. So as I terrorize Gotham, I will feed its people hope to poison their souls. I will let them believe they can survive so that you can watch them clamoring over each other to stay in the sun. You can watch me torture an entire city, and when you have truly understood the depth of your failure, we will fulfill Ra's al Ghul's destiny. We will destroy Gotham, and then when it is done and Gotham is ashes, then you have my permission to podcast. <laughs> Good job. Did you enjoy that? I had a really great you time. Were, you were like, kind of your chin's tucked into your, into your neck. I was going full Bane, baby. Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. My name's Griffin now. I am David Sims. It's a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm. We are hashtag the two friends. Yes. We're the only two friends who have a podcast together. It's a competitive advantage. It's been working for us so far. And it will continue working for us forever. Friendship will never go out of style. Friendship forever. Friendship forever. Friendship is magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, This podcast is about filmographies. Directors who had massive success early on in their career and forgot to turn off their cell phones before (laughs) recording an episode. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then were issued a series of blank checks to make whatever they wanted. Yep. In Hollywood, at least for a period of time. Right. This guy, his checks have not run out. No. Sometimes those checks clear. Sure. Sometimes they bounce, baby. Yep. And uh, this is a mini series on the films of Christopher Nolan. It's called The Pod Night Casts. And we've gotten to... Title podcast. Uh, the title film. The titular episode. His best known and best loved film, right? Yeah. The one everyone agrees the on. The crown jewel in his tiara. <laughs> it is called The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. It is the third film in the Bartman trilogy. Ah, it's so true. It is true. You can't argue oh, that. Bartman, he's here. The dark Bartman. Look, I know it often... These become partisan issues. Sure. But can we reach across the aisle and agree that this is the third film in the Bartman trilogy? <laughs> yeah. Can we just for once? Finally, the discord in our nation can, can halt. Yes. Let's all just agree that this is the third film in the Bartman trilogy. Yeah. Ricky T. Jokes himself is in the rear view. Enter Michael K. Bain. Michael K. Bain's here. I said in the Inception episode his name was Michael J. Bain. This is the corrections department. His name is Michael K. Bain. I'm so you very listen consistent back? with my bits. You listen back to check it out? Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. John C. Scarecrow. <laughs> Who's back to? He's back. John C. Scarecrow's back. Yes. He's been appointed a magistrate. Yes. <laughs> He's a judge of Gotham. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. There's a little, because, you know, there's a big gap. Uh, you know, uh, Dark Knight, uh, I'm sorry, The Duck Knight takes place very shortly after Bartman begins. That's right. And this one takes place, uh, is it seven years later? I think. A Gentleman Seven. A gentleman seven years on. And in that time, John C. Scarecrow goes to law school, which is kind of nice. It's kind of an inspiring I story. I, but he, he made a very strange choice to have a hammer be his gavel. He's just using a hammer. Well, he got to throw that's a little his, flavor right, on That's it. his, like, flair? Yeah, He's flair. like, all right, all right. Thank you for teaching me how to be a judge. Okay, you stack all the desks on top of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and then you use a gavel. <sighs> a hammer. Not unique enough. Yep. Um, with us as always is producer Bane himself. <laughs> uh, wait a second. Is that control? it? I've thrown it out before. Maybe you didn't that's, notice. That's it. I'm sorry. 
I don't care about the other ones. I've we'll never see. loved the other ones. Is there another one you like? We're getting close to the end of Nolan. Hazal Ghul, Mabento, mm-hmm. and Producer Bane, I think, are the best. I think three. Producer Bane is way better like than the Producer other two. Bane a lot. Producer Bane? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> the Bane Deucer? Yeah. 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 Uh, Mr. Hazal Ghulative? <laughs> sure, sure. The, the Haz Al Ghul. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah. so he's the he's the fart master. He's the the fart master. The fart detective. He's the meat lover. Right. He's the fuck master. He's the fuck master. I am so so sorry about that. Let's keep going. That's okay. He's the peeper. He's the poet laureate. Sure, he's sure. our finest film critic. He's not Professor Crispy. If you no. see him in the streets, please wish him a hearty hello, Fennel. Yes, please. He's dirt bike Benny. He's soaking wet Benny. He is graduated. He is graduated. He has. Graduated. Just wrap it up. Much like John C. Scarecrow, <laughs> in the seven years in between, he has graduated to certain tells over the course of different miniseries, yeah. such as Bruce Ben Kenobi, Kylo Ben, Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Say, Say Benny Thing, Ailey Benz with a dollar sign and Warhaz. And perhaps, you know, here on out, he will be producer Bane. We shall see. I think so. I, I'm going to need a, uh, a really compelling pitch to, to drop producer Bane. Okay, uh, this is a call to arms. Yep, uh, exactly. Make your pitches. Yeah, yeah. That's the something fire, you can at me with. It rises. He's having fun over there. Oh. He's having a great time. Because we I can come do into it all the, the time. studio and Ben's just, yeah. he's just doing his bane. Yeah, Benny, oh, he has fun. We send him out in the yard. He just runs around <laughs> doing his bane for hours. <laughs> he keeps himself busy. <gasps> oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, oh. so it's 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 a 2012 film. Yeah. Two yes. years after Inception, which is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Considering the scale of this movie and the scale of Inception. Yeah, I would argue I, I have a, an idea of how, what was sacrificed in that time crunch. Oh, really? You have an idea of that? Interesting. Crazy. Because it's three years between Batman Begins to the Dark Knight, which is significant. Although he did make a movie in, in between those yeah, two. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and it's a $230 million budget. Big movie i mean you're gonna write that check right <laughs> yeah i mean and uh, i'm sure mr nolan was paid handsomely to make a movie yeah. he was less enthusiastic about that in interviews he said like for a long time i wasn't even sure if i would make this movie and i was very afraid that i would get bored during the making of this movie Right, and I think... Which is, I think, a way of saying I got bored during the making of this movie. He said in a lot of interviews that his big thing was he knew he had this massive check, this massive opportunity, and he wanted to try to make a a movie in terms of size that didn't get made anymore. Right. So there was a lot of, like, let's have more extras than people have ever had before. Sure. Let's take over more cities with a larger scope, with more vehicles. uh, Yeah, impressive uh, set pieces that are real. Right. And thought through stunts, you know, all this crazy stuff. The scope of this movie is is pretty incredible just in terms of what is visually captured. Like right. what, what has been photographed. Right. And then, you know, but then also let's make rather than a competition between a hero and a villain or whatever, like let's make it about like the soul of a city or like the city itself is at stake. That's right. definitely his concept. And my argument is to has call been the movie Gotham, Gotham City, City, which right. I also think would be I mean. The whole be an okay mo- title for the last one too. You're saying, I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the most baller moves in history. I just remember being like uh, with friends on the computer because that's what I would do. I'd be hanging out with friends, and then I'd just go to a computer and refresh movie blogs. You sound like a cool dude. Real fun to guy. Real fun. Real Fonda guy. Real. I was a real you Henry Fonda. All those guy. Fonda, bo- Fonda blogs. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm fond of Bridget, mm-hmm. uh, but um, I would, I, I was, I was there refreshing and then I went, holy shit, 
And they went, what? And I, I turned around and I said, guess what the fucking title of the Batman Begins sequel is? And everyone was like, uh, Batman Continues. Right, is it like right, Batman right, right. v. Joker? It was like, and I just was like holding like a hot hand. Because oh I knew I was going to like blow their minds. So this like, is the worst story anyone's ever told. The Dark Knight. And everyone was like, whoa! <laughs> I blew out the mic there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. I can see it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But just the notion that Nolan was so confident. No, I, I he was know like, what you mean, right. Batman, right. not in the title. Sure. You know? And it also gave the movie the, this power. It was like, this is like a fucking standalone thing. Like, this movie kind of works in its own thing. Sure. And uh, this trilogy that he's created is much more concerned with Gotham City. Sure. You know? It is. Than, than other Batman stories are. I Certainly agree. cinematically. Certainly cinematically. Yeah. It really is Batman fighting to try to save Gotham City. And from the inception. Oh, boy. From... <laughs> Of this trilogy, uh-huh. one of Nolan's big ideas was that, like, this is a guy, this version of Bruce Wayne is using Batman as means to an end. Who are your guys? Batman. <laughs> John C. Who are your guys? I can't. Who are your guys? Who are your guys? I remember seeing Damon Wayne's at the improv, <laughs> and he said, tonight I'm just going to do a jazz set. I will just riff. I used to roll with Sam Kinison and those guys, Carl LeBeau, that was some dark shit. Lock the gates! Pal, I just shit my pants. So, So get get ready for another hour and uh, (laughs) half or so of this. Yeah, at least. Uh, P.S., this is a two-hour, 35-minute movie. 44 with credits. No, I'm sorry. Two-hour, 45-minute movie. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, But, but, you know, there's this thing where, like, this version of Bruce Wayne isn't, like, a career Batman. He's like, I got a goal in mind. If I can level out the balance of Gotham City, sure, I don't sure. need to be Batman anymore. Right, I, I, because of course, Batman as a comic book character, he can't retire because it's infinite. he's the star of a comic book that runs. So it's sort of like, right. he's just part of the firmament of Gotham. Like, right, yeah. and and Burton's Batman doesn't know how to exist without being Batman. Uh, yes. He's barely yes. He's a person. He's obsessed with being Batman. Right, 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 right. Whereas this movie, The Dark Knight Rises, yes. posits that... Batman's work was sort of done after yes. the Dark Knight, at right. least in his head. Although, you know, but that turns out not to be true, which sure. is weird. But Nolan has said that he, from the moment that he pitched Batman Begins right. and started really working on the idea of what his version of Batman was going to be, he knew what the final shot of his story was going to be. And that is the final shot of this film. Which is what Robin rising in the... Yeah, someone tiny... new taking over the mantle. Sure. The fact that Bruce would be able to walk away from it. Here's my complaint, just before I get into the context that we'd love to be a connoisseur of. Sure. Dark Knight ends with Joker saying, I think we're destined to do this forever. Richard, Richard, uh, uh, trouble. What was the T stand for? Yeah, T stands for trouble. Richard trouble Joker. Yeah. Um, (laughs) been like that. Uh, and Batman, like, taking the blame for Dent's death and uh-huh. riding it. And, he, and he's like this, you know, Gordon's our dark like, knight. He's our dark knight. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, doesn't. And then like this movie's open seven years later. It's like, well, ever since Batman led to the arrest of like a thousand mobsters, Gotham's been fine. Like that's never been the idea of Batman that he just needed to get rid of the mob. Agreed. He's not a mob warrior. Agreed. I think this movie 
does a lot wrong. But I'll say yeah. this. No, I'll but s- that's the premise that's the right. problem, I think. I think this movie starts at the wrong point. I think it uh, that, ends in the right place. Sure. It, it, yeah, Car- carry on. I, finish your point. I, yeah. I think this movie starts in the wrong way mm-hmm. and never really finds its footing because of that. I think I think that that concept, right, that you're, yeah, the start of the movie right. is a problem. The action they decide to keep off screen is troublesome and the yeah. stuff that has happened and the stuff that hasn't happened I could, is confusing. I could see this start if it really had been like seven years since he'd made a Batman movie. Yes. Like if Nolan had just it, gone off had, and made other stuff yes. and then finally Warner Brothers was like, you know, we're going to shell out you and Bale. We want you back. Please make another Batman movie. Which I think he maybe needed to do. I think maybe, he yeah. maybe needed to use the cash of Inception to have another blank check project and sure. go, I will promise you, let's put it in a contract. I'll make fucking Gotham City. Right, right, right. After this. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. And, and have some time away so that it really kind of meant something. Right. Um, because even the Marvel movies are usually there's usually three years between sequels yes. like they don't two years between sequels is about as tight as you can make it and for movies like this, this is four years oh, sorry, it's but this just is four, two, years years after after two years after Inception I'm so I'm yeah, yeah, ignore yeah, yeah. me yes, yes, yes. ignore me sorry but he needs to take more time away I think he needs to figure out what he needed to say which I think yeah. like I watched this movie not to jump to the end of our discussion right but like I, I saw this movie opening night at midnight, as I think a lot of us did, right? Uh, I did not, but I, I saw it opening weekend. Sure. sure. But the, yeah. But, you know, yes. Yeah. It, saw it, it was right away. crazy anticipation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, I sat there the whole time and enjoyed it. Uh, me too, basically. I can tell you. There were speed bumps, but I have speed bumps with Dark Knight too. I don't think that's a perfect movie. I think that's a movie that ends up being greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. But I was watching it and was generally pretty satisfied with it. And at the end of it, I was like, yeah. And then I walked out and I ran to someone I knew and he was like, that was kind of shaky, right? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? I like that. And then I went to sleep and I woke up and was like, I don't think I like that movie. Uh, sure. So that it was that fast for you. Yeah, it was weird. It was like the second I started really thinking about it, mm-hmm. it started unraveling in my mind. And I have not watched it since then. And it has only diminished with every day in my mind. Uh, okay. Okay. And I rewatched it, uh, and I was like, maybe I like this more than I remembered Uh uh liking it. Uh huh. And then I similarly kind of like started struggling the more it went on. I think it's a little better than its reputation suggests. I don't think it's an outright disaster. No. Which I think it's easy to write off that way. I think that's largely a product of how insane the the expectations were and how, uh, I think it has the same problems that a lot of Nolan movies have, but it doesn't have the same strengths that a lot of Nolan movies have that usually allow you to gloss over those problems. But it's an interesting movie. I just walk away from it going like, I don't know what it's actually saying. I don't think he ever decided what he ultimately was trying to say with this movie. We'll we'll get into it. But yeah, yeah, I I remember I saw it opening weekend and I got to the theater and I sat down and immediately realized that a child had like totally peed all over the seat. <gasps> like the, you know, at the previous screening or whatever. Cause it's a fucking basically with ads. Yeah. I mean, that's a three plus hour sitting experience. Oh, like three and a half. Exactly. I mean, for a big movie like that, they jam as many trailers as they can. And also right. you have to get there early, you right, know, they to play get a, a Pixar seat. short. There was a newsreel. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> I just imagined some like, tiny child had been given a bucket of soda. Right. And I was trying to hold it in because yeah. they want to see the Bart man. So, I mean, I, I, there was not much damage done to me. Like it was obviously like it hit their time had passed. 
Yeah. You know, it wasn't fresh. But I was still like, oh my God. And that, that for some reason is seared in my memory of my viewing experience. Yeah, that's interesting. And it was also, of course, uh, the, the shooting had happened. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you, you didn't have it if you it. saw it midnight. It happened, right. Yeah, exactly. Like you weren't, but that was fresh in my mind. I, it was hard to not be because it, it had just happened. Yes. And obviously I was desperate to see the movie. I was very excited to see the movie. But it definitely put everything on edge. Yes. It made everything feel a little grim. Yeah, it made uh, the film's violence, you know, just a slightly harder to take. Not like it's an Agreed. excessively violent movie or anything, but still, just it is a grim movie. But I think it casts a pallor on that movie. <sighs> the movie is so inextricably tied to that incident now. Yep, and it makes uh, the the movie's flaws feel even more. Uh, drawing because the whole enterprise feels more flippant when it's like right. Well, that's the thing, and it's not the movie's fault at all. At all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but it's just like for this bullshit, you know, which it isn't for this. Of course, it's like, but 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 I do think there is like, you know, there was a shooting at train wreck a couple summers ago, right? I vaguely remember that. Yeah, right. But it wasn't the same thing. But that yeah, just yeah. kind of felt disconnected somehow. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, it was because yeah. It was because of the movie and because the guy was like, I'm the Joker. Or, you know, like there was some tie there to There was that whole element. Film. But yeah. also it was like, you know, people like that want to make a statement. And so you attack, sure. you know, a, a place of meaning. And well, it was right. like, this is the most anticipated movie yeah, in a exactly. long well, that, time. Yeah, that's right. the other thing. We were, all, we were all there to see this movie. It wasn't right. like we were seeing the movies. Like we were just going to the movies that weekend. It was right. like we were all there for this movie. We'd been waiting for four years. The Dark Knight was awesome. Yeah. Love Christopher, you know, Inception was, you know, like, we're excited to see this. Right. This is the, it was the movie of the summer, right? Yes. Yes. Well, uh, oh, Avengers comes out that Avengers summer. Avengers comes out that summer and uh, sort of sets the new narrative. But certainly this was the movie everyone was like, this will be the biggest movie of 2012. Which it wasn't. It no. still ended up being, like, at the time, I think the sixth highest oh, grossing film ever. it was a huge ever. movie. And it, it was made... humongous, but it was somehow viewed as a disappointment because... Kind of. Yeah. But it made more money than The Dark Knight uh, But worldwide. Avengers was so big. It came uh, earlier. Yes. And then this had this shade cast over. Yep. By the tragedy. And let's move on. Because, again, it's not Agreed. like the movie's fault or exactly. It's not the movie's fault, but it's it's it was interesting to watch it now with years away from it. And being able to just kind of watch it as a movie. Yeah. I saw it just as a movie. Then in mm -hmm. my mind, it was always tied to this incident. And now enough time has passed, I was able to just like watch it. Yeah. So I saw it in theaters. I have watched it again. And then as I told Griffin, as we were setting up, I watch the opening of the movie all the time on yeah. YouTube. Uh, the, the IMAX tease, basically. The, the plane sequence. So that comes out before Mission Impossible. No. Yes, it does. Is it? It comes out before Ghost that's Protocol. So, that's so early. That's six months previous. Yeah. Wow. But crazy. they did the same thing with I Am Legend. Uh, was it December release and then... I, I don't remember, yeah. Yeah. You, you got me. Yeah. But yes, sure. The Dark Knight prologue was for I Am Legend mm -hmm. and then uh, uh, Ghost Protocol, which was not even a Warner Brothers film, but was just the biggest IMAX movie. It was the movie. IMAX movie. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember like hyping up a bunch of my friends to go see Ghost Protocol, which I was really exciting, but using... Sure. Oh, you get to see Dark Knight Rises as like a selling point. Yeah. Uh, and then we sat there in the theater and no one could understand what Bane was saying. Right. Bane's uh, voice was so weirdly mixed and right. low and garbled. And Nolan came out and defended it and was like, you know, I, in real life, you don't hear everything that everyone's saying. And sure, if which a guy has been was wearing his a defense mask, of every movie he's made since. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes movies with a lot of cacophonous sounds, so the dialogue wouldn't be very clear. Right. But then they were like, okay, but dude, a little fucking too much. And everything was redubbed. 
Everything was redubbed. Top to bottom. Uh, except for one line. Which one? Crashing this plane. Oh, really? That is the same. If you watch them side by side, okay. that's the one they didn't change. And it does sound a little deeper, uh, yeah. even in the re-dubbed uh, version. But but throughout the movie. But no, I not, think, but more than that, they were like, out of school. look, I mean, like yeah. with Dunkirk, it's like, yeah, well, the dialogue is actually mostly incidental. That's right. so, I get it. But with B- Bane is saying a lot of things. He's delivering a lot of in- information. Right. Yeah, you got to hear him. Right. So they both re-recorded it and remixed it for sound clarity and also uh, asked uh, Hardy to enunciate a little more. Yeah, probably. He yeah. clarified his voice. His voice is even weirder in the IMAX prologue in the original version. Sure. Yeah. But I actually like it. I think it's weird, almost weirder when you can hear him better just because he's so sing-songy and strange and I agree. oddly pitched. And yeah, I agree. It, it is such a crazy choice. Right. And I am so glad that he was empowered to make that choice. Especially because everyone's like, oh, fuck. Now, how do you top the Joker? No, everyone's like, how do you top Jeep Swanson in Batman and Robin? Bane, who just says the thing he's just been told to do where it's like Bane smash that wall and he's like smash wall Bane they made Bane into like the Hulk yeah like a really shitty Hulk right. like the worst Hulk right a very embarrassing Hulk right but there was such rabid speculation about who was going to be the villain in the well, third one well that's what I wanted to connoisseurs of contact we are connoisseurs of contact okay so oh wait you guys are yeah one, two. Oh, the one two. two friends sure. yeah the two friends one yeah, connoisseur two connoisseur we're C's of C <laughs> Connoisseur one, connoisseur two. Got it, got it. Okay. Enchilada one, enchilada two. Yeah, we're like thing one, thing two, or enchilada one and two, yes. I wanted to clarify about the connoisseurs of context. Go. It is us. If you've heard the rumors, we are them, the connoisseurs of context. Uh, The craziest thing is that Jeep Swanson died like days after Batman and Robin came out. I vaguely remember that. It's so weird. The poor guy. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta. His name's Jeep Swanson? Yeah, I mean, his real name was Robert. Right. He was a wrestler? He was a wrestler, and I think that was his, like, stage name. Um, So... Apparently, after The Dark Knight, Nolan did write some sort of a story outline for like a future movie. Mm -hmm. And he gave it to Warner Brothers. He goes off to make Inception and Mm -hmm. it sort of goes dormant, right? Yep. But everyone, I feel like we and everyone else was like, no, he'll make a third one. They'll make it. You you can't not. It's the same way Joss Whedon made a second Avengers where like it just becomes or or how Patty Jenkins will make Wonder Woman 2. It just becomes academic. Like we get that they have to figure out the details, but like. When you have a hit out of the box like that, you got to get the guy back. Right. And I think, uh, you know, Patty Jenkins will have an easier time than either of those two guys did because of the nature of the film. Oh, you mean like with the next movie, like making the next With Wonder Woman. Right, yeah. You know, I I think there are less story challenges for her going into making another Wonder Woman adventure, especially because of how they've designed it, where we have these her participation in the modern day Justice League stuff Mm -hmm. and you just get to fill in the gaps in between the time zones. Right, right, right. Uh, I think the problem with Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, which I I know you defend, I think is... It's an okay movie. Okay, I think it's okay. I think it's kind of good. Uh, stick up for that movie. Yeah, I, I know you like it. Yeah, yeah I kind of get excited. I, I think it's about okay. It I, I, I yeah. like parts of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there are interesting things. But Marvel's I feel, fucking with him, and they want right certain things to tie into the next things, and you know, I think it's kind of. Uh, of similar quality to this movie, but its problems are the exact opposite. In that he had a very clear idea of what story he wanted to tell, and Marvel made him throw a bunch of other stuff in there. When and yeah, right, I right. think in this movie he didn't know what he wanted to say, so he threw a bunch of stuff. And the stuff is kind of interesting all separately, but it doesn't amount to anything. I agree. Uh, but in- but Avengers too. The problem is uh, the whole interesting thing about Avengers is watching them figure out how to be a team together, right, and right, you can't right. have them do that twice. Can't have them do it twice. So instead, he decides to make this movie about robots arguing with each other over whether humans are worth saving. Right, but. 
And then Marvel's uh, like, hey, can you throw Marvel's my dead like, wife in there? We need to set up, right, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> but all, I mean, you see Captain America Civil War and you're yeah. like, oh, that's the movie Marvel wanted, which is this uh, fun, almost plotless movie that's right. just a lot of different stuff happens and it's all a nice tease for the next thing, right? right. Like, you know, anyway. And we didn't need to have some sort of central idea to be driving what he's Right. As a writer, that's his. Civil yeah. War is a real comic book movie in that it feels like a mainstream Marvel comic book from right now. Right. Where they're basically thinking a year ahead. Yeah. They have a hook, yeah. which is like blah versus blah, that they know will sell tickets slash issues. For for good and bad. Like and, we watched that yeah. movie, we saw it together. We had a fun time while watching it. I'm never compelled to watch it again. It's a, t- I, it's a bad one to rewatch. Yeah. I am. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mean, I rewatched yes, the Spider-Man scene a lot because I think that's the most successful part right, of the movie. Right, but now I can just watch Spider-Man Homecoming. Sure. Yeah. I still think that seems the best distillation of Spider-Man as a character. Um, but I watched the airplane hangar fight, which I remember being so excited by watching. Yeah, it right, just right. doesn't really mean anything anymore. No, it's just a lot of stuff yeah. hanging, bouncing around. Okay, so in February 2010, Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers announced Nolan has cracked quote unquote the story okay so he is giving us uh, a new Dark Knight movie yeah then it's announced David Goyer and Jonathan Nolan will write the screenplay Ugh. interesting then it's announced David Goyer is leaving to go write Man of Steel okay so Chris and John are gonna write which it. he and Jonah. Nolan kind of pitched off of their story meetings for Dark Knight Rises oh they pitched Man of Steel you mean, in their yeah. story meetings for Dark Knight Rises, where they're trying to crack it and they were you know, distracted and procrastinating, they were like, what would a Superman movie be? Like, how would we approach that? Came up with right, this kernel right, of an right, idea, right, right. brought it to Warner Brothers, they set it up. Right. Uh, Chris Nolan said that Jonathan Nolan presented him with a 400-page script. Sounds about right. Quite long. Mm-hmm. Uh, that essentially, from my, because this is the script that is the most based on the Batman comics of my youth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because it's the first half is Nightfall, Correct. is Bane breaking his back and yeah. taking over. And then the second half is No Man's Land, which was like this comic after a big earthquake in Gotham, and Gotham is like cut off, and there's people, you know, crime is running rampant that has nothing to do with Bane. Yeah. But in, he sort of puts Bane into it. Which is uh, all wrong, in my opinion. Like, Bane is also just inherently a weird choice for him to pick. I understand the motivation. He wanted a big a physical, physical villain. Batman hasn't had a guy he could really fight in these movies. And my guess is he, right, and my guess is he also was intrigued by Tom Hardy, who had done such a great job in Inception yes. and was probably thinking like, ooh, this guy could be a good Bane. Or, you know. And I think there's this idea that... Because everyone was like, will he do the Riddler? And it's like, that's very similar to the Joker. Like, right. that's the same kind of, and the Scarecrow. Right. This sort of spindly guy who's got plans and schemes, you know. And they could have worked the penguin into it, but penguin would have been similar to like Maroni and Falcone. Yeah. Like it would have just so been a mob boss. Mobster. He wouldn't have been the primary villain. He would have been a, a, a he's, sort of motivator. He's your off ball villain. And right. again, Batman's not going to fight the penguin. Yeah. He's not really. The penguin has like umbrellas and shit. You know, but he I mean, doesn't really like do fist to hand to fan combat. I remember there being rumors that Hoskins was going to play the penguin, which would have been so fucking cool. I mean, cool. Hoskins as like. Hoskins in The Long Good Friday right. as the Penguin sounds terrific. Yeah, R.I.P. Bob Hoskins. Right. Love that guy. Oh, God, he's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, there were all these villains that people were asking for, and then when Hardy was picked, you know, I just remember every little bit of detail was, like, chewed upon where they announced oh, sure. that they were, like, filming a lot of the movie in New Orleans, which was for tax credits, right? No, they, they filmed it in Pittsburgh. They didn't film it in New I Orleans. I think part of it was, in, maybe it was a no. false rumor, okay? Okay, yeah. But no, something no. came out about them filming in New Orleans, or at least part of it uh-huh. in New Orleans, everyone's like, oh, that must be because it's Killer Croc. <laughs> I just remember that. No, no, no. But maybe no. the New Nolan Orleans said, thing was He sat down and he said, yeah. no, no, no. You got to save that guy for a Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> I know exactly how he fits in. Right. 
You make sure he watches BET. Yeah. You make sure you get a shot of his wriggling butt. <laughs> what else does Killer Croc do? In the wears movie? a hoodie. <laughs> yeah, he wears a hoodie. <laughs> make him like pretty sexist. Like yeah. even for he's talking about Suicide Squad. He's like yeah. dial it up. Hey. Yeah. But at the end of the day. He's pretty twisted. He beat me to it. Yeah. All the way to twisted. <laughs> um, um, no, they mostly shot in Bucharest. Okay. Where I think they are shooting the, uh, the pit. Yeah, the pit, the non Gotham stuff. Right. Uh, Josh Pence. Uh huh. Josh Pence's arc. Bo Callahan <laughs> from Draft Day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Winklevoss body. In- yeah. But you know that story, right? Yeah, I know. He yeah. was told he was. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he then, but then he and he shot a lot in Pittsburgh, where mm-hmm. he they do a lot of the city stuff. But and there's then, a lot of New York stuff too. Then I was about to say. Then they shoot a ton in New York City. Yeah, which suddenly is Gotham City with no attempt to make it look different. Right. Like with Chicago as Gotham, they do a great job having the city be very yeah. real. But then you have the Narrows, and you have yeah. like a sort of like effort to make it look different. This is like, he robs the Wall Street Stock Exchange. He blows up the Williamsburg and Manhattan and Brooklyn bridges. Like, there is one of those shots of like the, the camo tumbler leading the bomb a van, sure. question mark, question mark, where they drive past the 2-3 Wall Street station. Yeah. And it's jarring. It's, you're just like, why is no effort being made all of a sudden to make Gotham different? Or right. A, a unique city. Right. Especially after we just watched two movies that were set in Chicago. It would be one thing if it was like, you know, the first time I wanted it to be Chicago, the second time I wanted it to be L.A. because I'm doing heat. And the third right. time I wanted, you know, but he just changed. I don't know why he did that. It is weird how different the city looks across these three films. It's like very it changes. Dark. Right. Because the, you look at the Narrows, the design of the Narrows would not fit into Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises. No, exactly. Like the Narrows is very comic booky, yeah. very stylized. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And yet at the same time, this is weirdly the most comic booky of the three movies. A hundred percent. And in story, like in and in unreality, you know, like the idea of it being cut off, the idea of Bane's like ridiculous scheme, like and all also this stuff. In, in, sort of, in terms of how many different characters, how twisty it is, how mm, many like twisted. flips it is. It's not twisted. Twisted. Uh, but, but it is like, it's, there's so many flips in this movie. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It feels less like watching a movie and more like reading like over a year a 12-issue run of a comic book where the writer kind of can't figure out where he's going with the story. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like But that. it's being written incrementally as they go. You know? I get you. And then but the the argument could be like, look, in Batman Begins, Gotham is this like fallen city. <clears throat> and in the Dark Knight- Batman Begins? Yeah, exactly. And then in the Dark Knight, it looks- <clears throat> The Duck Knight? The Duck Knight. It looks a little different because it's coming up. Like sure, the city is beginning sure. to heal. And now, seven years later- it's this sort of like rich, booming city, uh-huh. but like, you know, it's really just the one percent. Yeah, the one percent. Who should say the one percent? You know, and like maybe that's why he's using New York. This is I, this is a stretch. I, this is the only argument I can find. I, I mean, obviously, there's no plausible reason the city would have changed. I think you know he was very influenced by the Occupy Wall Street movement, but didn't know what he wanted to say about it. I guess so. I think this. I thought that the timing of this was that it couldn't actually be. Yeah, because Occupy Wall Street was like late 2011. Oh, really? And this movie finished filming like late 2011. Like there's no way. It was just one of those happy coincidences where it just like, 
all of the because he he always said his inspiration was a tale of two cities for this movie. Uh huh. The Dickens movie. I mean, the Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. Dickens oh, is great movie. Yeah. Such a good movie. Very uh, underrated director <laughs> about the French Revolution in yeah. Paris. Right. And the eulogy that uh, Jim Gordon reads for Bruce Wayne at the end of the movie is right out of a tale of two cities. Oh wow! Okay. That's his like yeah. nod to it. And so I think that's where he's getting this idea of like the oppressed underclass and like there's change coming and you're all going to be overthrown. And then it just fits because, I mean, he obviously is making it in the wake of like sure. the financial downturn and all that. I also feel like this movie is weirdly indebted to Metropolis. Sure. It might. I mean, like he's talking about like, Fritz Lang as yeah, an inspiration that seems like a lot. like a huge inspiration for and, him, and right? This movie, especially when you get into literally like people living in different levels of the city. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it gets odd and and also just the literal the scale and the scope of it i think he was trying to make a very very old-fashioned epic you know like the other movies he was trying to make like a 70s movies and in terms of some of the stuff he realizes here just the amount of extras and the size of the sets and shit like that yeah it feels like he's trying to make like a 30s or a 40s movie it's a weird movie it's a weird movie so he makes it and then christmas 2011 he invites edgar wright uh-huh michael bay okay brian singer john favreau Eli Roth, Duncan Jones, Stephen Daldry, and several other filmmakers who are not named. Also known as the Pussy Posse. <laughs> exactly, the new Pussy Posse. To the IMAX theater at, like, in LA to show them The Dark Knight Rises. Uh-huh. And then he says, I think he may have just shown them the prologue. Okay. Because it's December 11. So sure. it's probably, and he says, I shot this on IMAX film. I edited this from the original camera negative. Look how good it looks. Film is, like, important. Celluloid, right? Yeah. Like, look how great this is. Like, please, be like me. Like, demand. You are influential directors. Like, demand yeah. celluloid. And we can keep this thing alive. I don't think it worked, but, like, it's. I just find that interesting, Yeah, too. how many of those guys have continued shooting film? I, I don't know. Maybe Eli Roth? <laughs> like, uh, does Edgar Wright shoot on I film? I think Edgar Wright still does. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a... Big enough nerd about that stuff to sure. remember. But most of those are not the guys who are really pushing the film thing hard. No. Uh, but anyway, so he did that. And then they uh, they released the movie. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, J- July. Same same slot as Dark Knight. End of July. Yeah. And the same slot as Dunkirk. Right. He loves that slot. Apparently, they wanted Dunkirk in the fall, and he said, no, I want it in my Dark Knight slot. I want it end of July. He's like Big Willie. He's like Big Willie style. The way that Big Willie owned July 4th, Chris Nolan wants to slip in there right at the end of July. And, <laughs> and essentially he gets to run the table in August. Yeah, that's his, I think that's, he always was encouraged by how Dark Knight did with just owning August. So he was like, that's the box office spot. And it fucking worked for Dunkirk. Like, you know, he's not wrong. And worked for Inception wrong. too, yeah. I was looking at, um, I, 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 I was talking about uh, Dunkirk box office with a uh, past and future guest Sam Rogal mm. and um, he uh, he was saying like I wonder how well it's going to hold and I was like well, let's look at August and it's like fucking nothing coming out no that's the thing yeah, exactly no one's there right I mean it's going to keep Dark on- Tower but, but here's the thing look Dunkirk not hearing good things Dunkirk's going to make like 10 million a weekend for like 8 weekends yeah I think so you know it's I, a war movie and it's for dads because IMAX has higher ticket prices sure because those sell out faster, so the demand to see it in that format will last for longer because you can't just all rush in opening weekend. And I went to see it uh, just yesterday at the time that we're recording this did podcast. Did you see it at Lincoln Square? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was surprised by the amount of, like, grandfathers with young children there. Like, grandfathers with, like, young under 10 children. It's a dad movie, ma'am. Yeah. 
It's a dad movie. Next week, Annabelle Creation and the Glass Castle and the Nutjob 2. Three movies, four The week after that, The Hitman's Bodyguard, which is not a movie. Have you seen it? No. I have been invited to. I declined. Yeah. Uh, That's sort of my old joke about Jack and Jill where I feel like if you walk into the theater, they'll give you a publisher's clearinghouse check and go, you got us. It's not a movie. We just shot a trailer. (laughs) Uh, And Logan Lucky, which is a fascinating uh, movie and fascinating release strategy and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, And then Friday the 25th, uh, All Saints, which is like a Christian movie with John Corbett, Leap. Which is like some like Belgian animated movie that Harvey Weinstein pooped out. He's been out. shifting around the schedule for four years. I've been emailed about Leap, which has had yeah. like three different names like a million times. Well, that's like the the Amity. Carly Rae Jepsen's song "Cut to the Feeling" is for Leap. Yes, that's that's how like weird its whole thing has been. Uh, the the Amityville, the Reckoning, or the Awakening, or uh, New Generation, or whatever the new Amityville horror movie is. Uh, yeah. yeah, I saw the trailer for that before Sin City Two. Oh boy. And Harvey's just been shifting it six months at a time going, we really think January is the right. They have no money. I did. Yeah. They have no money. They got it's no so money. fucked up. It's, it's literally like a, a, a ball and a, a cup game. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, this has been our podcast on the Weinstein Company. Yeah, exactly. This has been TWE's TWC Talk. Twick Talk. Okay, so the movie opens with... Uh, the the plane the scene. plane the plane sequence uh, which I think is just fantastic. How what do you, you like about, about it? it? Uh, how it looks? Yeah, <laughs> that shot of Bane dropping—that's my favorite shot of when the, the the plane is horizontal and Bane just drops down to the seats with his arms out. Sure. Oh my god! Like right at the camera. The the shot for me that really does it is when the plane drops from. Yeah, right, them. of course that's incredible because it's a real thing they did. Yeah, which is bonkers, insane. Uh, they did that, uh, which is, I think so much of why I love Nolan's, uh, choice of set pieces where it's not like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's like, that's real. But you know, is, I, is sort of impressed. By I it. think it's also emblematic of the entire movie, which is the giant motivating forces. What stuff I want to do on camera. Yeah, man. But I'm cool with that in a prologue. Agree. Yeah, you know, like but then just, that carries you know, throughout <laughs> most of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I just like seeing Littlefinger get his comeuppance and something. What a jerk. Uh, yeah, Littlefinger's there. So yeah, Littlefinger's like an FBI guy. Get him out of here. And he's doing his American accent, which is very similar to his uh, British accent, which is very similar to his real Irish accent. Uh, uh, when I was at Comic-Con, uh-huh. the whole Game of Thrones cast was staying at our hotel. And so I kept on like like tapping my castmates and going like, Scott, Scott, look, it's it's Ramsey from Fast and Furious. <laughs> I was like, no, she's from Game of Thrones, she you idiot. She is from Game of Thrones, you like, idiot. Look, it's the shitty son from John Wick. It's from Game of Thrones. <laughs> look, it's the, it's the villain from, from Shanghai Nights who Bane kidnaps in the plane. They're like, fucking Game of Thrones. Like, I kept up being like, why <laughs> are all in these- Shanghai Nights? He's the villain, the main villain in Shanghai Nights. That's kind it's, of a big deal for him in 2002 or whatever that came out. It's him and uh, Donnie Yen. Oh, wow. Are the main huh. two villains. Huh. And then there's- the young child in the movie who turns out to be Charlie Chaplin, who is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, weird. And then the other Charlie main- Charlie Chaplin is a character in Shanghai Nights? Shanghai Nights is infuriating. And you know who directed it. Uh, Walt Becker, right? David Dobkin of the judge. Oh, it's David Dobkin. That's it, right. Because I right. love Shanghai Noon. I'll stand for Shanghai Noon I think that Shanghai Noon's a nice little movie. It yeah. fucking rules. Shanghai Nights does this dumb trick where they're like, there's this little tramp boy who keeps on following them in adventures. And they're like, you better look out for yourself, Charles Chaplin. Or one day you'll get yourself into real trouble. And then he like rubs his face with soot and it looks like he has a mustache. Mm-hmm. 
they essentially pull the Robin shit in that movie mm-hmm. with Charlie Chaplin played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, the villain from Shanghai Nights is good in this opening sequence. He tries to fuck with Bane. Bane fucks back. Uh-huh. Uh, Bane transfuses blood into from one guy into another guy so he can kidnap a doctor and make it look like he died in the plane. Uh-huh. But other than that, you don't totally get what the fuck is going on. Even though they re-recorded the dialogue to make it clearer now, they talk about him in mythical terms. They clearly, his reputation Why does he wear him. the mask? Right. But he kind of just seems like, okay, he's, he's some figure of political uprising. Yeah, he's but a scary guy. What's the game here? He's a scary guy with a mask. And then, uh, yeah, he uh, disposes of the plane in probably the least efficient and most expensive way possible. But it looks cool. And thank God they shut down IMAX cameras. And then the movie starts in earnest. The score is just going wild, too. There's a lot of stuff going on. I love that score. This is my favorite of the Zimmer Batman scores, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's much better with him just cutting loose. Sure. Uh, It's interesting. They, uh, They asked James Newton Howard to come back. Yeah. And he was like, your your inception score is really good. I think you guys you got just got to do it together. I think you guys yeah. are very like uh, creatively inspiring to each other. Sure, that's really nice. Uh, so you should just do it. Yeah. Um, which is funny. And yeah, he makes this wild theme for Bane with the the chanting chorus that uh, I love. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the like crazy drumming. Um. But but he uh, the, the one thing I guess that's kind of interesting that's established here is that, that thing where he goes like, no, you must stay. They will be looking for a body in the wreckage. And the guy doesn't question. He doesn't fight uh, it yeah. at all. Uh, no, brother. They expect right. a body in the wreckage. Right. The, the fire rises. Yes. So it's like this guy's got yes. zealots. That makes Clip. him different. The fire rises. Makes it yes. David's doing really good. Body well, I language. can do this scene because I've watched it so many times. Yeah. It's the other lines where I sort of forget. This is the one where he says it would be very painful for you. You're a big guy. <laughs> for you, for you, crashing this plane. The best way to do a Bane impression would be to have someone step on your throat. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You know, all, all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. Um. But uh. But that that's like a thing that's interesting, like a new wrinkle where it's like, okay, this guy's got zealots. He's got diehards who will sure, follow him sure. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disciples, you know, the League of Shadows, he's got an army of ninjas at his ninja school, right? He's got his, an army of ninjas at ninja school. Right. But Joker doesn't really got people. He he works with whoever's closest at the time. He mostly turns people. Right. And he's got thugs, but although, they seem to change from scene to scene. And he shoots them a lot. Yeah. Although the, there is like... A devoutness to Joker's, uh, but they're all crazy. Is the idea? They're all just mentally He's manipulating Ill. mentally exactly because that's what Batman says. Is like right. that these people are empty vessels essentially. Right, but Bane's clearly got a legion of people who are hanging on his every word. There's a bit yes. of a cult mentality. He is the leader of a cult. Yes, that is spoiler alert. I guess the League of Shadows, essentially some version of it. Part some sort two, of like warped it's a reboot. It's it. like a reboot. Yeah, it's like a shitty reboot. It's like a dark gritty IMO. reboot. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. Um, and then we cut to Wayne Manor. Is uh, it then? Does it go straight to the party at that point? Yeah, it goes to the. Oh, par- oh, it goes to Jim Gordon eulogizing Harvey Dent on like Dent Day, right? <laughs> National Dent Day. All banks are closed in honor of the Big D. Yeah, it's funny. There's Dent. 
uh, is being honored for the dent act and for like the death he suffered at Batman's hands. And Gary Oldman's giving speech was like, once again, I just want to reiterate that Harvey Dent is great and there's nothing bad to say about him. And then you look at the paper in his hands. It's like Harvey Dent sucks. (laughs) Tell them. Which I don't. Uh, this is one of my big problems with the movie. I think this movie does wrong by Gordon, and I think uh, Oldman additionally does wrong by Gordon. He does. He's playing it as a totally different character. He is playing it more like the Oldman villains yes, of old. exactly, because he's got that weird quavery voice all of a sudden that he likes to do. And, and he's way too intense the whole movie. Right. He seems to have lost any sort of, like, guiding light, and I understand the point is that this is a Gordon who's made some concessions and lives with some guilt. Right. Yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. the guilt has turned him into the character from Leon, the professional. Uh, yeah, that's the voice he's doing. Right. Kind of. Kind of. It's He's playing a more subdued version of that, but it feels like there is no glimmer of the old Dent in this, which, uh, sorry, not Dent, Gordon, in this character. But if that was the point that he's so far gone, they should have written it differently. Yeah. And the, it's, the idea, I think, is it's like, as they say in this opening scene, like, he was a wartime hero. This right. is peacetime. So he's, like, kind of gone to seed. Like, he's, like, bored or frustrated and his wife has left him justifiably yeah uh he was uh, have left him a mediocre long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. was it the whole playing it close to the vest thing <laughs> played it real close <laughs> yeah yeah i mean this guy's a bit of a scarmucci right oh. Oh, he mooch. gave up everything what a dated reference <laughs> that, that's already an incredibly dated reference now <laughs> three weeks from now or whatever it's gonna be practically like an artifact can I say this you know so like everyone was so excited about Scarmucci because he's the best character to come out of this whole saga right uh yeah right he right, is right, I mean he right. I, I think in a lot of ways and uh everyone's like god the Scarmucci movie they're gonna make a Scarmucci movie someday sure 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 then he gets shit canned after 10 days and people go like well there goes the Scarmucci movie Scarmucci movie just got better uh, totally. Uh, assuming there's a little more. But yes. I think the Scarmucci movie is the third act of Goodfellas stretched out for an entire running time. But it's 10 days on the yeah, clock and he loses everything. I guess it just because he only did one thing that was just completely maniacal and insane. I wish he did like four things, you know? I guess more might come out, but I yeah. like the idea that he just didn't have a lot of time to do anything, you know? I well, like it he being sold that time his frame. company, right? right? And that was, I think, part of the reason why his wife left him, correct? Like, also, she, she hates stakes. Donald Trump. She hates Trump, she hates yeah. Trump too. Right. And she so was like, she's... if you join the administration, I will leave you. And he tried for six months to get hired. So he had a lot of lead time to think it over. Still went through with it. And then also... You know, calling up the fucking New Yorker and making jokes about uh, auto autoflation. No, and look, he's a funny guy, and I think he's great. He's I can't a great wait comedian. to see his tight ten. And yeah. uh, I think he's doing the couple open mics this week. Well, he no, just he did JFL New Faces, right? Yeah, and he's going to be doing stuff at the Danger Fields. Congratulations to uh, former guest, uh, past guest uh, John Trowbridge for making JFL this year. Right? Yeah, I forget. I think he did. Right? Yeah, he yeah. Did. He's yeah, there, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Um, and James the Third as well. Uh, yeah, I Black Man Can't Jump. Yep. We're, we're there. Yeah. Of course. Congratulations to uh, John Braylock, who I think beat his own record for live tweeting the fucking Dark Knight <laughs> episode. I must have gotten 50 <laughs> tweets from that guy. Oh, boy. You uh, guys have a fun relationship. Uh, and me and John? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> sort of a Batman Joker. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure who's the Joker. <laughs> John's the Joker. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, all right. So you cut to, right. I just hate this idea where it's like, like I said, this 
sort of too simple logical thing where it's like, well, here's how it worked. There was the Dent Act that locked up all the mobsters. Without the Dent Act, they would be allowed to roam free. And of right. course, le- murder would be legal again because the Dent Act is the only thing between right. murder being legal and illegal. Yeah. And of course, if anyone ever dared like put on a piece of paper some kind of allegation that Harvey Dent was a bad person, right. then I, this all would come crumbling the fuck down. Right, as if our country isn't based on a bunch of lies and deceptions that we now know. You know? The other thing is this idea that it's a lie that Batman killed Harvey Dent, which it's not. He did kill Harvey Dent. He knocked him off a building. Right, right. The now he had a reason to do it, Correct. but that doesn't exist. People are like, I can't believe Jim Gordon lied about the manner of Harvey Dent's death the fact and the that fact he that he actually justifiable killed. reasons. Right. To Harvey Dent, if you think about it, after he got his face burst up, face burned off and he went insane, he killed at least two people <laughs> who were involved in his scarring. Right. This would shake the foundation of Gotham. The very idea that Harvey Dent, after being scarred, went a little crazy. Right. Why would people care this much? They wouldn't. And it also, the Dent Act is way too tidy because the thing that the Dark Knight sets up, which is so cool, is like, okay, now Batman's got to be an outlaw. He's going to yes. take the hit. Right. And now the real war on crime begins. Because it's not like when crime is the Dent Act, like all criminals right. like, better steer clear of Gotham. That Dent Act. Because well, essentially this this movie The sets legal up, tricks they can pull. This movie sets up the Dent Act like it's like the government went in a striking new announcement. We've decided to make crime <laughs> illegal. Organized was, crime is now frowned upon. And everyone was like, look, I mean, we gotta Sorry. respect the Dent Act. We're blowing up these mics. Uh you know what I'm saying? But it was like they were like, for, from here on out, all crime think, will be Ill- illegal. And everyone's what? like, okay, let's stay away from you Gotham. You know what? I think, I think Donald game. Trump should try and pass the Dent Act on a it national scale. The Dent Act is the thing. Maybe the problem isn't this movie, but the fact that we haven't adopted the Dent Act in real life. <laughs> That's what it is. All That's crime is. should be illegal. This is Christopher Nolan's real argument. Yes. He's like, if only people would use celluloid to make their movies and finally pass the Dent Act. Right. The clowns in Congress. More like the Jokers. Yes. Richard T. We all know that criminals love breaking the law. They do. But what this movie presupposes is maybe they shouldn't. Yeah. No more. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Um, This is also making me think like your initial point, which is that the off-screen stuff is the good stuff that we're missing out on. Which is like, you know, Killer Croc got locked up, right? (laughs) Off-screen. Yes. Calendar uh, Man. Calendar Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deadshot, all these guys, like all, all basically like the universe of the the cartoon series, right? Is what had taken place, yes. And now you just have no more crime, right? And uh. I talked about in the Dark Knight episode how there's all the stuff set up directly at the end of Batman Begins that Dark Knight doesn't really do, and then this movie implies that all that stuff happened in between off screen, and now it's like, well, now it's all done. He's got the mansion, it's rebuilt, everything's nice, but he's also got a beard and he doesn't like leaving the house. Uh, so Ooh, that's a scarf too. The scarf, which is another weird thing about this movie is Nolan's folding his Howard Hughes obsession into right. a he Dark Knight movie. He supposedly wrote this Howard Hughes script that was like the best script he ever wrote. Right. And he would talk about it for years. He almost made it. With Jim Carrey. With Jim Carrey. And Aviator beat him. It was an arms race between him and Michael Mann, who was going to make The Aviator. Then Michael Mann dropped out. And he was like, great, I got the lead. And then Scorchese jumped in and then he got, he got cheesed. Beat, beat, beat. Yes. He made it fast. Uh, so, right. You're right. They're doing this. And there was a rumor after Inception, like, oh, I've heard rumblings that Nolan wants to go back and actually make the Hughes movie. Yeah. He feels like it's been long enough since the Aviator. They can then make he the heard Hughes about movie. rules don't apply. 
And then, I mean, he took the lesson. He, he heeded the, the, the warning. The rules don't apply. To Warren Beatty. To Beatty, and he's got to step out. <laughs> uh, Nolan, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, why is Batman's leg hurt? Because it is. Because like, that's another thing where they're like, uh, his leg injury is so... The worst. Remember when he hurt his leg in the dark night? I don't know. It was the dogs, I think. The, the dogs. They they bit it, maybe. I don't know. Oh, anyway. I thought, no, I thought it was Clayface. Yeah, Clayface. Fuck that guy, is Clayface. It the dog bite him, but isn't it also that no, he I'm joking. Like, jump, I'm, jumps off the thing and He, he lands end. on Harvey Dent. He right? doesn't land yeah. on his leg. It's weird. They just make it like this like old no, college leg. football injury yeah. that he can never get over. That leg of his... Yeah, he's so. Weird. And then when he, but then when he decides to be Batman, they're like, oh, luckily he has a leg brace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world's most magical leg brace. Now you can do anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Forgot about the leg brace. Yeah, right. yeah. He does have that. Anyway, right. you have all the technology in the world. Why would you just choose to walk with a cane? But they make the Howard Hughes jokes. They go, oh, here he hasn't left. Yeah, he's peeing the, in mason jars. Exactly. He's got thirty inch nails. So yeah, thirty inch nails. He's been and, listening to nine inch nails. Yeah, but thirty times. Yeah. Um, and so you, roughly, <laughs> give or take. Yeah. So. I guess the idea is that Bruce Wayne is so haunted by the death of Rachel. He's never been able to get over. That he can't get over, and that's why he's a shunning. Because you would think, what the way, if you want to end the Dark Knight with him not being Batman anymore, easy. Now he's Bruce Wayne. He can be a businessman. But that is not how the Dark Knight Redirect his money. Yada, yada, yada. It ends with him telling Gordon, let them chase me. They need someone to come after. I'm going to take the hit. And instead, he just is like, actually, never mind. I'm going to go chill out in my house for seven years, give or take. Right, you know? right, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because it would be easy to go like, "I'm done." Batman has caused more damage than he, than you know, than than he, uh, than than good. Uh, uh, right. Let me peace out, and that's the end of the Dark Knight. He retires. That's fine, but of course they can't end the Dark Knight that way because it ends with him being chased be by the police. Well, it would also be boring if he was like knocks him off the way. He's like, "Well, I think uh, my yeah. work is done." Yeah, uh, Batman's punch job. the clock here. <laughs> it slides down a Brontosaurus's tail. <laughs> and I, I don't mind the idea that Rachel's death is haunting him, but then they use it in this really specific lame Nolan-y way yeah. where there's no real. And then the scene where Alfred is like, what if she wrote you a letter that specifically enunciated that she wanted to marry Harvey Dent, not you. And then I burned it to spare your feelings. And now I'm telling you about it right now. It's uh, my- quite a hypothetical, Alfred. <laughs> it's like... It's, but there's a the lot amount of, of that in this movie. Exactly the amount of fealty this movie has to the last two movies, where it's like, remember that thing? Yes, that specific thing. We're gonna pay it off right now. But also some of the Inceptiony, like I need to have a character explain exactly what's going on for three <laughs> minutes. Whereas Inception, as we've said, is using that as means to an end, right? To get to a a purely kind of visual cinematic state where you don't have to explain the rules. This movie has scenes like when uh, Anne Hathaway comes face to face with uh, Daggett. Mm. My favorite villain in the whole DC universe. Daggett. Daggett. He's a real. Played by Ben Mendelsohn. He's a real jag. Yeah. Yeah, really. And he's a drag it. Very true. Um, But when he's like, you're here for the clean slate, huh? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, the device that allows you to clear your entire name, a criminal record, and one thumb drive. Like, there's a lot of fucking scenes in this movie where a character just says, oh, hypothetically, if this existed, and explains everything. Well, then Batman is sent to the worst prison of all time, which actually turns out to be the worst prison of all time if you're Robert McKee, because of the amount of fucking over-explaining that's happening. It's like, now you will be subjected to the true torture. Tom Conti explaining things. 
It's the worst prison of all time, but also the only prison where they can fix a broken back in four hours. <laughs> right. It's a, no, it's six months. It takes six months. Okay. But, but they do use ropes. And, and they it's tr- Dr. Army Hammer's tried and tested method. Ropes. It's also like ropes. Ropes. Birds. Uh, they also. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I banged the table. Go ahead. Yeah. But they like they they gloss over it so quickly. They like show you what the procedure is and how much it hurts. Ropes ropes and then they're like okay this could take about six months and then they cut to six months later and they're like and that's the final one you know like his like recovery doesn't no, feel just, yeah i mean we're skipping i just I it's the most mind-blowing where bane is like now the ultimate pain you must pay you have to spend time in this rehab clinic that like it's not great let's be honest right and you're gonna get physical rehabilitation right, and training and and also just like some psychological adjustment like yeah. the people there are really trying to help it's him get tom his head conti up. i mean the guy is goddamn charming let's right. be honest right but it is this bizarre thing where this movie's very long uh, very long. Is it Nolan's longest movie? It has to be. Right? Well, Interstellar is very long. Yeah. Uh, let me look it up. I've got it for you here. It's coming. The news of the running time. <laughs> uh, Interstellar is uh, two hours, 49 minutes, and The Dark Knight okay. Rises is two hours, 45. So okay. Interstellar beats it. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a movie that's very long and still feels very rushed. Because uh, yeah. all those scenes feel like, well, we just got to get this out quickly. And it's like, yeah, also, would the way to do it be to make the first hour of the movie 20 minutes where it's like Bane's takeover is immediate, like and very fast and mysterious. And then you spend almost all the movie on the prison and explaining Bane and Bane's time in Gotham and Batman returning. Right. Rather than it's an hour before Bane breaks him. Uh, yes. Maybe an hour 10. Like, it's a lot of movie. Bruce doesn't put on the suit until minute 45. Yeah. yeah. Very similar to Batman Begins. And he's broken at 110. Yeah. And he doesn't return until, like, 2, 2, 150 something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, the, he returns to Gotham as Bruce Wayne at, like, 150, I think, yeah, on yeah, the yeah, dot. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't put the suit on again until almost, like, 2 on the nugget. So there's very little Batman in this movie. It's really saved for the end. And this uh-huh. one stretch in the first act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Bartman. Uh, I think that's one way to fix the m- movie. It's, it's just, it's very, uh, that's a way to fix the movie and focus it, but it would have to choose what kind of movie it wants to be. It does feel like this movie is often an exercise in, would it be possible to make a Batman movie without Batman at all? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah, be interesting. Because John Blake is really kind of fulfilling the main Batman role for most of the movie. Uh, in a way. He's fulfilling, like, the narrative function of how Batman needs to How do you feel about story. John Blake, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I weirdly liked him a lot more this time. He's doing a lot of... Squinting. He squints. Squints yep. with one eye. Yeah. Uh, the idea of John Blake, who is Nolan's Robin take... Yes is it's sort of this mix of the classic Robin, i.e. orphaned boy looks up to Batman. Right. With the Tim Drake Robin, the Robin of my uh, childhood, which is the origin of him, was that he was a smart kid, a detective, you know, who figures out out who Batman's secret identity is, goes to Bruce Wayne and says, I know you're Batman. Here's how I know. Can I be Robin? And Bruce Wayne's like, I like your moxie. Like, you know, okay. Because he's the one who sort of convinces him, like, I know you don't want to have a Robin because your last Robin died, but like... Look right. at me. I'm smart. Like, yeah. Uh, Jason Todd, the lamest of the Robins. Sure. He's a tough one. Yeah. Um, 
But then there's a lot of Gordon there because he has no vigilante impulse. Exactly. He, but but then at the end he does. Yeah. Which is tidy. <laughs> yes. Because there's one thing that happens that exists in the movie that exists only to make John Blake realize that the cops, they follow the rules too much. And uh, yeah. we need a vigilante under a waterfall who's going to help balance yeah. out the equation. So I know we're going out of order here, but it's just like, it's hard Whatever. to even talk to the plot of this movie okay. without trying to diagnose what's going on here. Because I Look, kept on watching and going like, what isn't working? If you're playing blank check bingo, Griffin right. saying it's hard to do the plot in order is is definitely like That's a, a given. Square. That's the center yeah. square. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. It's, that's the freebie. You yeah, get. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I like his performance actually in this. I, I do like it. Um, I, uh, I think he's fine. I think it's, yeah, he's fine. It's I just that funny thing with Nolan where he's like the second movie in a row by an actor that yeah. he likes. Yes. The second performance is often like a little worse. I think he's actually a little better in this than Inception. I, I think like he in fits Inception. in the movie better in Inception. I hate to see out of control. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're both doing a real Jogo face yeah. in here. Jogo. Um, I think it's, it's one of two things. Okay. I think, uh, Either he should have just said, this is Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. or this is, you know, uh, Tim, Drake, Tim Drake, whatever. Yeah. Name the character outright and said, my version of this character is a cop. I agree with you. I do. I will admit that in the theater, I did get this little like flutter of excitement when I re- when he goes like, oh, try my legal name. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about this. He's going to be Robin. Like, and it, it did genuinely take me by surprise. I got that flutter as well. Mm-hmm. It is so sweaty, that scene. Uh, it's Detective John Blake. I'm not seeing a John Blake. Oh, right. It wouldn't be under John Blake. Not my name. My name is Robin, the boy wonder. Right. Uh, here, let me hand you my photo ID. Oh, yeah, that's not right, say right. my name out I'll check loud. my legal name. What is it? Ooh, I like that name. You should use it more often. Robin. <laughs> okay, fuck you. So his name's John Robin Blake, or John is his middle name and Robin's his first yeah, name? Yeah, Robin John Blake. I don't know. Okay, I mean, you know, but also. Rob- hey, man. What's Batman Forever's explanation of the Robin name? What? What? He has a cool bike helmet with a Robin on it. Yeah. It's but, pretty cool. But also, Robin is not Robin's name. It's his nickname. Yeah, his name's Dick Grayson. Right. So then you'd have a Robin who has to change his superhero name because it would be his identity. It is funny that he's Robin. It's like, what's the natural companion of the bat? This little bird. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I think there's a version of this movie where he goes, look, the Nolan vs. Robin... A little fat bird. <laughs> the Nolan vs. Robin is a spiritual Robin. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I named the character Tim uh, Tim Drake or Dick Grayson. Yeah. He's a cop. He's not going to get into the suit. It's the idea of a hero taking a different form. Being able to go through it the straight way rather than the way that Bruce Wayne thinks the only way to actually affect anything is by putting on the mask, right? Yeah. He's like a counterpoint. Do you think the DCEU was going to do a Robin? Where's their Robin? Well, their Robin's dead. Yeah, but they, they got to do another one. They'll do one at some point. Because the Jason Todd is dead, right? That's the idea. Yes. Because there's been a lot of talk of a Nightwing movie. Right. Whatever. What the peop, Give the people what they want. Nightwing. Which the Lego uh, Batman director is going to do. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. <sighs> Great. I'm, I'm so excited for that. Uh, I think it'd be more interesting if they did, uh, uh, like, female Robin. They either did, like, uh, what's her name? Cassie... Uh, I'm forgetting her last name now, or the the Dark Knight Returns character. Well, there's the Dark Knight Returns character, which is just a kid who shows up and is like, "Let me fight." Who I love that character. You're thinking of spoiler the uh, Stephanie Brown, but uh, yeah, right. The Dark Knight Returns one is Cassie. Yes, the Dark Knight Returns one is Cassie. Stephanie Brown. Stephanie Brown is the one who was uh, spoiler. Then she was Robin, and then she was Batgirl. 
Right. And now they're doing a Batgirl movie, uh, supposedly, with Joss But Hayden. I think it's Barbara Gordon. Probably. I don't know. Current Batgirl is really good. I don't know if you read it. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Isn't also current Batwoman pretty cool? Like, don't people talk about that? Yeah, Renee Montoya. I haven't read it, but I, I hear it's of, A lot of yeah. stuff going on. A lot of good stuff going on. Anyway, 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 yeah, that yeah, was Nerd yeah, yeah. Corner. Uh, what I was going to say is watching this, I almost was taken with this idea, and I don't know if this is dumb, right? But yeah. talking about what's the way to handle this character, I almost think the other way to do it is, definitely I think the first hour of this movie has to be 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, right? That's a good pitch, right? Right. It's really unbalanced. Because the first hour of the movie, it's like, let me try and go through it. It's like you've got the party. Bruce Wayne is uh, a recluse. Right. Okay. He's holding Wayne. things as mansion. Wayne Mansion has been restored, but it's all covered in sheets. But he throws parties there. He hides in the shadows. He hides Selena in the Kyle's shadows. pretending to be a caterer. Selena Kyle. There's a lot of Selena Kyle origin stuff. We got to get to her because I actually think she's one of the stronger parts of the movie. I think she's the best performance in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you've got a lot of like Selena Kyle the cat burglar. She's playing these... Uh, Villains like dag it off of each other, yada yada yada. She's after the and, and she's, she's sort of a philosophical cowboy. I mean, she's doing it to survive, but she also is. It's a ninety nine percent kind of whatever. Thing, she right? has a whole speech about uh, the uprising, the resistance, right. and then you've got like Miranda Tate, who's this like heir to the business world, a character that, who is not ever established properly. Oh, I think she's wonderful in the movie. No, of course it's a fucking disaster. Uh, but but it's so weird no, it's how clumsily they no. insert her and just accept the idea expect of her you to accept her is yeah. that she's a nice lady who Alfred and Lucius and maybe everyone else is like you should really marry Bruce Wayne. Well, it's like she's she's this weird sort of like uh moral center, right? Yeah. Um and sort of force for good when he comes out to the party and she sees him, she's like, oh, you've been dodging all my calls. Like the idea that he's been ignoring her attempts to get the Wayne Foundation to step up to the plate and do some good, right? Mm -hmm. Then it turns out they've been doing that good even though they haven't been communicating with her. Then they kind of immediately fall in love. Then they place her at the head of Wayne Industries mm -hmm. and then she's Talia. Well, it's the last part that's the uh, the huge problem. Right, which I think she could have been Talia from the beginning. Uh, I well look. All right, so here's my. Should we just get to that? Here's my problem with that. Okay. I mean, the movie is positing Talia, the yeah. woman who survived, the only one to ever escape. Right. Like this badass. Yeah. And then we learn she's the daughter of Liam Neeson, Ninja right. King. Right. And then she like, what does she do? She drives a car for five minutes and then yeah. dies. Like they don't give her any any chance. Right. Which feels like a waste. <sighs> Can I give you my alternate pitch for this movie? Uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, so crime has not been solved, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Completely. Sure, Maybe things right. have gotten better and in things Dense Legacy. Better, right, right. But that's kind of the pitch of the darkness. Anyway, go on. Go on. Right, okay. But, but things have proceeded, but Bruce is at this like moral crossroads where he just feels like he, he doesn't know. He's still Batmaning, but he's, his heart's not really in it anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of an analog to Nolan, perhaps. I think that's better, right. Okay. Just sort of part-time Batman. Right. Although I guess, like, yeah, but anyway, yeah, okay. carry on. Then Talia and Bane arrive. Sure. Okay? Not Miranda Tate, Talia. Hey, I'm Rosh al Ghul's daughter. <sighs> he really wants that twist for some reason. But, but it, it, the movie loses so much. I agree. Okay, so Talia and Bane show up. Right, and she's like, here's my philosophy. Here's what I'm preaching. Right. Bane's my fucking muscle guy on the ground. Right. Because I kind of like once there's that final scene where you set up the weird relationship between Talia and Bane. Right. You know, this like 
like the relationship could be interesting. I would love to see that play throughout the entire movie, especially because yeah. those are two good actors. Right. It would be nice to see them be able to play off each other and give Bane other things to play. Yeah. Not that Tom Hardy isn't doing everything that he's handed very well, but it would be nice if the character had more dimensionality, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Batman goes to fight Bane and is broken. And mm-hmm. rather than being thrown mm-hmm. to the pit, he's recovering at Wayne Manor. So mm. rather than the recluse stuff that's at the beginning of the movie, that's when he sort of enters his recluse phase. But do they still take over the city like in the same way? Correct. So he's like in hiding, but they don't know he's Bruce Wayne. Correct. Because of course, part of it is like Selena lifts the fingerprint. They figure out that it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Right. Carry on. Right. Yeah. But the two allies he's made at the beginning of the movie are Selena Kyle, who is sort of uneasy alliance with, right? Right. And Dick Grayson. Okay. Young, up on uh, up and up cop, you know? Mm-hmm. Who hasn't totally figured out that he's Batman, but kind of sees something in him. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go into a Batman Beyond type thing. Okay. Where feeble Bruce trains Robin to be the new Batman. People would people would have freaked out about that. I agree. You want Batman. They want Batman. I agree. Right, 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 right. I agree. That's, but that's your maybe, fifth movie. Maybe, you know, that's what I feel like. I agree. But the problem is, I think Nolan knew I don't want to make five of these. That's, I got to wrap everything up here. I know. But it's just strange that in deciding he wanted to wrap everything up. Yeah. He's like, okay. Okay, I'm going to make a direct sequel to Batman Begins that almost ignores that The Dark Knight ever happened. Yes. Because if this movie had come out after Batman Begins... It feels like Batman Begins too. Right, and it's like it had actually been from 2005 to 2012. Yeah. Then there's more logic to it, where it's just about the Batman versus the League of Shadows still. Instead, The Dark Knight happened in the middle. And of course, this movie is very connected to The Dark Knight because it has the Dent Act, the Notorious Act. And the Rachel Death. Outlawed criminality. Throughout the land. Sorry. Three times he's having to turn my fucking mic down. Um, but, he's so mad at me. But also, the Joker is never mentioned, I think, out of deference and respect. Yeah, they, they, they don't do that. But it feels weird that the movie never acknowledges the Joker. I know. Like, uh, from a story Especially standpoint. because he's not dead. Right. And, of course, that was a lot of, there was a lot of discussion of that throughout uh, the, the, the production of the movie. Sure. People like, is he going to use archive footage? Is he going to have any kind of reference to the Joker? Right. And Nolan, who is a smart and compassionate man, was like, no, I, no. But it's more no jarring you because you don't have other villains going around the city, especially when they release everyone from Blackgate Prison, especially when you still have these Arkham Asylum guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's weird that it's just like Bane and Talia, who are this cult, and then Scarecrow, who's just a judge now. He's just Judge John Hodgman, you know, with his fake court. Sure. He's, I like his fake court, though. I do, too. I, I do it. like when he goes death by exile. Yeah. He's funny. He's very funny in those little but scenes. What, but what I would do, I, I mean, I would make a movie where it's not that Dick Grayson becomes Robin or becomes Nightwing. It's literally like, I need you to put on the suit because Batman's a symbol. He means more than me. And someone needs to be out there as Batman to protect people. And at the end, you have Bruce come on with his right. crazy mechanical harness. And he wears the armored suit and the two of them fight together. I mean, shit, they did the armored suit in Batman versus Superman. It's not like right. that hadn't. Anyway. That's, that's, I think, the cleaner version of that story without having to do all the twists and turns. Right. Where he's, this is the one movie where the twists aren't for any larger narrative purpose. They're not saying anything. It's just gotchas. Yeah. You know? And he loses so much by spending all the shoe leather trying to misdirect you at so many different points. Yeah. I mean, the whole fucking fake out with Bane being the kid in the pit. Is just like, who, who gives a shit? What are you talking about? And also, you know that's not Bane. Like, even if you haven't guessed the twist yet, you're like, look, the big guy's Bane. Like, you figured it out. And it's also, not hard. Also, it's Joey King. Like, the 
It's a girl. It's a girl. I mean, that's not everyone's guessing that. It could okay. be a little bait. But sure. uh, but yeah, no, we're not all as big Joey King fangs as, fangs as you and I. Yeah, well, Zach Braff, the number one Joey King fan. Uh, I never saw that movie. Yeah. They worked together in Oz the Great and Powerful, and then he wrote that, that film for her. Anyway, uh, I, I wish I wish you were here. Yeah. I, yeah, I wish I was here. Wish I wish I was there. What's the name of that fucking movie? Uh, wish... You were here? Now I want to look it up. You, because I remember there was like a lot of complaint that it was actually grammatically incorrect. I think I wish I was, wish, because there's also the Matthew Weiner movie that has the weird title. The Matthew Weiner movie is not Fade Away, isn't it? Or is that the David Chase movie? That's the movie? David Chase movie. The Matthew Weiner movie is called uh, uh, You Are Here, and then I think they retitled it Are You Here? The Matthew, you're right. It was called You Are Here, and now I want to look. Oh, I think it was retitled Are You Here? That's the stupidest title I've ever heard. Dumbest. Hey, you know are what's you? my favorite part of Garden State? You're right. Are you can here? I, can I tell you guys my Please. favorite part? Yeah. Uh, uh, the lesson that uh, you yell at dumps. I believe you've complained about this on this very podcast before, and I love it. It's you. You're, it sticks in your craw to this day. Mm-hmm. I'm from New Jersey. Uh huh. Yeah. So that and movie must mean so dumps. much. Yeah. It do, I mean, it's really it's about the Garden State. It's Jersey, right? Yeah. I mean, it really does. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yep. I had a rich friend. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, Mooch is in that movie, right? Mooch, the, he made the, it in, right? It? King of Jersey, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just go listen to the Shins record. It will change your life. Sometimes, when I'm feeling really unoriginal, I decide to do something that no one has ever done before. Wish I was here. Fuck. You That's so hard. What it's called, and I think everyone was like, "I think it should be wish I were here." I can't yeah. remember. Uh so anyway, how the fuck did we get on wish? I- oh, I Joey know. King, right? But right, that's right, the right, twist I would have done. I would have done the movie where you sell it all as Batman. Yeah, right. And then, oh my god, thirty forty five minute mark, maybe even take an hour. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Batman's back is broken and he can't fight. The other and then it becomes Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the suit until Batman finally gets his magical mechanical I could, harness. I and, could see right, this. Right. Because the other problem was the way they advertised it, anyone with half a brain knew that Bane was going to break Batman's back. It's like, why pick Bane if you're not going to do that? And As the primary the, I'm, villain? I'm trying yeah. to remember the trailers exactly, but I remember they certainly suggested a fight where Batman is beaten down. Like, yes. they did not maybe show you the back-breaking moment, but right. it's, you know, and so... You kind of knew that was coming anyway. So it was that it's a in the lot vehicles. That's all they could show because that's the only Batman stuff. Yeah, the, the, I remember the trailers really tried to sweat the like very few funny lines in this movie because yeah. there was the one where it, she's like, "My mom told me about getting uh, cars with strange boys." And it's like, not a car. It's not a car. And then the, there's one other where oh yeah, it's like oh your wife took your car and he's like my wife. Yeah. Have you seen the ABC Family trailer of Batman Begins? Yeah, it's great. Someone posted on our Reddit. I want you to check it out. It's so good. I love it so much. Does it come in black? I remember the week that Batman, I'm sorry, Bartman Begins came out on uh, Best Week Ever. Uh, Yeah. Because, you know, Best Week Ever, their whole thing was they would, like, pick a take on the topic and then ask all the stand-ups to riff. Mm Mm-hmm. In the direction of that predetermined take. Okay. Like, that's what the writers would do is like, yeah. what's our angle on this? Okay. Their angle was Batman and Throbin. And it was everyone talking about how this was the sexiest Batman ever. <laughs> like, they thought that was going to be the dominant narrative of that movie in terms uh-huh. of public response was like. Because they had like Catwoman and stuff? 
No, no, for Batman Begins. Oh, 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 for Batman Begins. Oh, they right, were like, because they had Katie yeah, Holmes and stuff. Right. Right, so right, the right. new Batman movie came out this weekend, and uh, Batman's hot now? <laughs> like, that was the whole segment. Uh-huh. Being like, I'm used to uh, uh, da, 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 the battering, but this is bat dick a ring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How are we doing? Do you know what we've also never talked about? What? Tank Man Begins. What is that? Okay. Oh, Jesus. Why did I ask? Because we got to do this as a catch-all for all the Dark Knight trilogy stuff we haven't talked about. What the fuck is Tank Man Begins? It was one of the special features on the Batman Begins DVD. It was an MTV parody. From the year that Jimmy Fallon hosted the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, Andy Dick appears to be involved. Yes, he does. Love that. And it it is... Dude, I've never seen this. It's on the DVD, and they didn't have a lot of features on the DVD. Sure, sure. So it was like weird that Nolan chose to include this. That's funny. It's amusing. (laughs) It's like, oh, God. I, I'm hosting the MTV Movie Awards and I'm running late. How am I going to get there in time? And then Batman shows up with the tumbler, and then they do the whole he's, he's driving on rooftops sequence. I got you. Where he's nodding, got the passed guys. out Rachel Dawes except they superimpose Jimmy Fallon and he's making a bunch of jokes about Batman and everyone keeps on misidentifying him as Tank Man. The joke is they keep on going, this guy's driving a tank. It must be Tank Man or something. And it's so fucking sweaty because I used to love those like that funny. <laughs> yes, the uh, MTV Movie Awards uh, we, host we placed talked themselves. about right. the Matrix Reloaded one, but this one is like a disaster, and they mm. put it on the DVD. And there's a point, maybe the one good joke in the entire thing is they cut to Jimmy Fallon doing the most offensive Italian stereotype, like like Mario Brothers shit, where it's okay. like, Ah, this is me, the shingle man. I have finally finished shingling this rooftop. Uh, Forty years of shingling, the and then he did right in the Tank Man. Tank Man. Never heard of that one. It's a bad movie. Okay. Not as bad as Shrek 4D, uh, but a bad movie nonetheless. Right. Okay. So. Uh, I like Tank Girl. Me too. Yeah, cool lady. When are they going to reboot that? Feels like That feels like something. That feels very that feels overdue. Close. For, uh, <laughs> we're close. Cause we're like five aren't minutes Aren't they rebooting from, like, The Crow? Like all those yes. 90s things. We're going to get like a Lily Amanpour. Exactly. Uh, Tank Girl. God, yeah. The Bad Batch was so bad. I haven't seen it. Oh, that was a rough movie. So they titled it correctly? <laughs> indeed the bad movie so selena kyle yes she's a cat burglar yes she has night vision goggles which if you flip them up kind of looks like little cat ears we all design night vision goggles so that the furthest outmost edges of them protrude a little more so if you were flipping up on the top of their head it'd look like cat ears because i remember when it was announced uh he's doing catwoman in this one he's cast Anne hathaway yeah people were like Fuck that. Right. Catwoman, iconically done by Michelle P, obviously. Probably, in my opinion, the best performance in a comic book movie ever. It's right up there. It's the best superhero performance of my money. She's so good. Anne Hathaway. Felt like a weird choice. At this point, let me find the actual filmography because I want to get it exactly right. I mean, she's come. Rachel getting married. She already had an Oscar nom in the pocket. Rachel getting married is 2008. So right. people are like, okay, you've proven that you are the talent that you've been positioning yourself as in a weird way. Cause there was this kind of thing where she kind of like suddenly was in these serious movies and everyone was like, Anne Hathaway, you know, I think she's good and broke back. She is. It's a small but Rachel game married. She really steps up to the plate. Rachel That's her best performance like, ever. Great. I think. Yeah. She's excellent. In it. I, she would have been my winner that year. She's good in it. Uh, she's excellent. In it. And then the 2009, she's got one movie. Boy, is it a winner? Bride Wars. Her hair's blue. Written by it's blue. Casey Wilson, June Diane Raphael. Yeah. Uh, then in 2010, she's in 
Valentine's Day. Ben small shaking roll. his head because we've literally the mics have caught on fire. Yeah. yeah. You, if you're gonna yell, just back off. My like, hair's blue. Ready? Watch this. Blue. It's blue. My See? hair is blue. Um, my it, hair is blue. Um, Valentine's Day, Alice in Wonderland, Love and Other Drugs. So she's doing a weird run after she proves herself to be like a serious real deal actress of not doing any serious real deal parts. Uh, I think she's kind of fun in Alice in Wonderland, actually, but that movie's a disaster. I think she's kind of fun in Alice in Wonderland. I don't like her in Love and Other Drugs. Haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Oh, we no. should do a quick movie just for you to get pissed off about that thing. Yeah, that was a hard pass for 2011, me. she does Rio and One Day. Do you remember the Jake Gyllenhaal? And Jill One Day is like a, a yeah. someone, some people are like, ooh, maybe that's going to be like a oh, big a romantic lone, drama a hit. a movie? And it goes nowhere. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of bad. So. Right. So she's not in a like weird zone. screaming Catwoman right no. now. She's in a weird zone. She still has that reputation as like a theater kid. Do you remember the Gyllenhaal Love and Other Drugs controversy? What was it? Because they were like, this movie's got a lot of sex. It, it, it These does. These characters are going to fuck a lot. Uh huh. And then some early like bootleg leaked out of one of their sex scenes. Uh-huh. And in the low res quality, people were like, oh my God, fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. His dick is humongous. Look at his dick. And then it turned out it was like the bedpost. <laughs> because it was like low res. I do was not like, remember this. At all. People were like, this is the biggest dick in human history. <laughs> biggest dick in cinema. Right. And it was like a ladder behind right. the bed. <laughs> all right. Okay. Whatever. But then this year, she's in this movie, <laughs> acquits herself great. Yes. I think she does a great job. I think she has movie. a really excellent job. I think she's uh, the she's, best performance in the film. I probably, well, I love Hardy. Yeah. But she's uh, less catty. She's just doing a different thing, which is wise. And I, don't go for yeah, the don't go for because she because Pfeiffer's real catty. She's owning she the cat is. shit. Yeah, and of course Halle Berry had probably shown us how to not do right. a Michelle Pfeiffer type oh, performance. Right. Well, and the course. other thing was, you know, when they announced that Anne Hathaway had been cast, and I remember uh, Coutier was kind of like Coutier and Coutier, Cuckoo Coutier. Mm, she's Cuckoo. And Rachel Vice were like the two big fan cast choices for Catwoman. No, they were the, Rachel Vice was the one everyone wanted to be Talia. That was like the most boring thing people would say online all the time because she looks like Talia sure. as drawn. But there were there were rumors from the get go. Oh, he's going to have Catwoman. He's going to have Talia in it. Mm. So then when they were like, "No, Miranda Tate," everyone's like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, right? well, for sure, it was like a John Harrison in right. Star Trek situation. But I remember those being the two names that kept on being thrown around for those two characters. And they both felt like Nolan-y people. And then Hathaway came out of nowhere. But in the announcement, they said, Hathaway has been cast to play Selena Kyle. Like, they pointedly didn't say Catwoman. Whereas oh. when Tom Hardy was cast, they said Bane. Mm-hmm. You know? So everyone's like, oh, is this going to be something where he doesn't actually have her be Catwoman? So when the first photos came out and she was just like a jewel thief in a suit and it, she didn't seem very cat-like, it, there was like the question of how much they were going to go full Catwoman in this movie. Yeah. And I think they go full Catwoman within their interpretation of Catwoman. Yeah. Which is a jewel thief who accidentally looks like a cat. <laughs> uh, does she have, yeah. I can't remember, does she have claws? Does she have the, she has, the claw thing The only on her? claw thing that she has is the, the, is the heels. Yeah, the yeah. heels. Yeah, she uh, doesn't do any, all right, yeah. she doesn't have a whip. She doesn't drink milk ever in she this movie. She doesn't order a white Russian hold the uh, vodka and Kahlua, which is what Halle Berry does in Catwoman. No purring! No purring. She, she doesn't constantly have a, a fully intact fish skeleton <laughs> hanging out of her mouth. 
She's not dr- drumming on on <laughs> trash cans. <laughs> Hanging out with top cat. Exactly. <laughs> She's not chasing All birds. Hallmarks of Michelle Pfeiffer's work. <laughs> uh She's not giving me allergies. Uh but, uh, she wins the Oscar the same, is what I'm saying. Like, it's funny. She wins the Oscar for Les Mis, which comes out the same year. The same year. year. Crazy, yeah. And so it's a great year for her. Yeah. Um, but uh, I prefer her in this. I would have nominated her for this, I truly. would have, too. And I also really, I really like the scene when she's kidnapped um, the congressman played by uh, fucking, what's his name, Brett Cullen. Yeah. Uh, where this movie's the, got a lot of really good actors in, like, day player, in, unnamed character Burn Gorman, man. I mean, I love that guy's face. And Nolan knows how to use his face. I mean, he's got some face work in That guy movie. can bathe in the river of him. That oh. guy sometimes lives in the river what of him. What a ham. I love it. Uh, William Devane plays, like, the president for half for a like, second on a on screen. Like a TV. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but that scene where one of the many scenes that I would cut, uh-huh. uh, to be clear, if I'm revamping this movie, where sure. she has the whole clean slate cell phone negotiation with uh, Burn Gorman and she's like hi use the congressman's cell phone and you're like she kidnapped a congressman like what the fuck are you talking about and then the cops burst in and she immediately starts shrieking like she's uh, been kidnapped herself and crying so good it's such a great great Hathaway bit where it's like she's a theater kid she's an annoying theater kid she's perfect at it yeah I love her in this. I love her in Interstellar. I I think Nolan I think she's very good in that. Nolan yeah. is really uh, good at uh, unlocking. Her. And the thing she does really well in this is, you know, the the unfair critique of Hathaway, who yeah. I think just gets a really really unfair shake. Um, is that she like she tries too hard. She wants us to like her too much. You know the like theater kid thing. Sure, right. which I think yeah, it that's is always been the hit on her. Very right, right. tied to misogyny. Sure. Yeah. But um, I think he harnessed. In this and Interstellar, an element from Rachel getting married, which she hadn't done before that, which was like, oh, she can do good. I don't give a fuck. Sure. In the two Nolan movies, she's just like, I'm steadfast. I know what I'm doing. I don't give a fuck about you. Uh, right. Which is a different shade of her than most directors ask. I agree. You're right. Because essentially this whole movie is Batman being like, you're not so bad. I she's can like, tell. Come on, she's fuck like, I'm you. a piece of shit. I fuck stole your mother's you. pearls. I fucking suck. Yeah, I took your fingerprint. I literally led you to Bane so he could cripple you. Weird choice for her to play Catwoman, sounding like Lenny Clark from hey, Rescue fuck Me. You. Hey, Batman, <laughs> fuck Clark. you, fuck you, Batman. God, remember when he lost a ton of weight and you were like, whoa. Yeah, put it back on, Lenny. <laughs> yeah, where'd it go? He had a good Let's look go going. Get it. <laughs> had a good look. Lost it. Can we try to find it? <laughs> I feel like we're getting really catty in this episode. Hey, I Lenny, like hey, Lenny, where'd that weight go? Um, <laughs> and then finally, her big hero moment is he puts her on the bat pod and yeah. she kills Bane with it. She kills Bane. Yeah, she does. She shoots him in the body. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, she's really good on the bat pod. Although it does beg the question, why didn't Batman just shoot Bane with the bat pod? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that kiss moment is totally fucking unearned. It's it's like clearly like they just wanted to kiss. I think you could still get away with that final moment with them at the restaurant. Oh yeah, without the kiss, uh, they think, admire each other yeah, greatly. Right. All right. So yeah, that's another thing in this. I, Fanny Branca. Fanny Branca. Right at the beginning of the movie, Christian Bale's like, oh, maybe I should be Batman. He's like, don't you do it? No, 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 don't do it. Won't bury another Batman. You know, he starts Which doing is, all that stuff. Right. Getting into this thing that like. No. 
I mean, Kane, <laughs> he's like suddenly the, the like he's his whole face is wobbling. Kane sells it better than Kane's old men. Great in this, he's phenomenal. In uh, this. The the crying scene at the grave, right? You're like, right? He can do this shit in like yeah. drop of a hat, right? In, a, in kind of an underwritten role. Like, yeah, Kane sells it really hard, but it's weird that this movie asks both Gordon and Alfred, Batman's two closest friends right. and most trusted allies, to both just get really mean and angry about <laughs> everything. That's the thing because Kane's like. Kind of just like he's been Batman's been in self-imposed exile for seven years. Yeah. And Kane is at the point of the start of the movie, gently nudging him to maybe go outside a bit more. Right. And he's like, maybe I'll be Batman. He's like, no. And he drops the tray. Ben is losing his mind. Oh, damn it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I love you, Ben. Um, but, and but freaks Kane, out yes. at him and says, oh, I used to go. You know what? I go to a fucking place in Florence to get a Fene Branca. When I'm always open, I'll see you over there. The second which is like fucking, a lot to load on to Bruce Wayne right at, right in the at first once. 15, 20 <laughs> minutes of the movie. And also the second they cut away to show him sitting at a restaurant uh-huh. ordering the Fene Branca, looking around, you're Fene like, Branca. well, now oh, here's the, the fucking end ending of the movie. Of the movie. Like they go. give it away too much. It's like, I still like it. One Fene Branca. I like it as an ending. Fene Branca. But I think it's like, Nolan's not following the own like rules of a magic trick that he lays out in the prestige. Like he keeps on showing you the wrong good, pieces. Good take. He right? forgets to he forgets to prestige us. Yeah, that's true. Because of course it's the same with Miranda Tate, where he's like, yeah, who could she be? Certainly, just someone who's interested in clean nuclear power. Right. Nothing else. Right. Like he never makes I us. Definitely wouldn't cast Marion Cotillard in any other role. Right. Raj Al Ghul is very important, though. Let's let's talk about let's it. Keep on talking about Rashad. What about Ghul? this clip where he's saying he had a wife? Yes, mm. and and a child, and a child. And we Who don't state the gender. Esther Carbonell. Dag it. No, but it does feel like you know. Uh, so often the the Nolan puzzle thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it is. It's the reason why I think in, uh, Prestige is his best movie is that people misidentify it as a puzzle thing, but it really is a magic trick thing. Yeah. He wants to be able to pull off a greater feat yeah, yeah, by getting you to right, pay attention yeah. to the wrong thing. He wants right? the applause. Yeah. He wants the applause. He's he's Hugh Jackman, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. He wants to just be the technician that Christian Bale is, but he wants the applause. And, uh, you know, uh, he has too much finesse and style to do the Christian Bale thing the first time he does the reappearing man where he doesn't know how to sell it. Mm-hmm. Where people don't even understand what they're looking at. He wants to give you the pieces like he does in Inception, give you the pieces clearly so that you're impressed with what he's pulled off. It actually means something, right? But this movie, he's not doing it. He's not putting in the work. And I think it's because he can't figure out what the one singular thing he's aiming at is. And if the movie is about Gotham City hanging in the balance, I think Gotham is less of a character in this movie than it is in the first two. Mostly because, like I say, the design change is so intense that it really almost feels like it's taking place in a different city. I think that's big. And I also think there is less time spent with the civilians of Gotham in this a movie. Bit. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, you're really focusing on John Blake. You're focusing on uh, uh, Selena Kyle, who represents a certain strain of disenfranchisement. Yeah. But Could she be Rasha Ghul's daughter? Could be. I mean, people thought she was going to be someone, right? I think I they thought know, she was going to be spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, sure. whatever. Whatever. Anyway. I'm amazed uh, he never did Poison Ivy. It seems like a classic Nolan villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Black Mask. We still, yeah. Humpty Dumpty. Sure, Calendar Man. Get that calendar out. Uh, but, but we haven't really talked about Bane that much. No, let's talk about Bane. He rolled. 
Yeah, he's awesome. He rules. He's a really good friend. <laughs> Not quite a third friend, but, you know, he's yeah. up there. I, I think the movie does him dirty a little bit. It does him dirty by not giving... He's all show. He's yes. all... Uh, he He's lead strong. He's front-loaded. And he's also not in that much of it. Well, he's not in that much of it after the first hour. Because the first sure. hour, he's in the... Obviously, the plane scene is right. all about him. And then you have him gathering his forces underground. There's the scene where Gordon rumbles him and he... You know, kills a couple of his. So comic booky that this movie is about like Gotham, like all the cops having to live in the sewers. This is why I want to keep talking because yeah, we're we're deep in this episode, but we do have to talk about all this weird shit. Right, it's very comic booky. He builds an underground lair directly underneath the armory of Bruce Wayne. He knew where Where it was, was. which means he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but doesn't choose to do anything about it. His whole plan is so convoluted. Yes. It's like Nolan has this idea of him as this imposing person that is brilliant, in my opinion, because Tom Hardy isn't that big. No. He's maybe 220 pounds tops, like all muscled up. But he photographs big. He photographs big, and it's the same thing as doing the plane thing real. Like, if it's real, then it works way better than if you just over, you know, like CGI'd or uh, make up some guy to look comically large or hire a wrestler. And I think he does a really good job of, I I mean, I think it was smart that he didn't choose to build himself as like muscles upon muscles, but just give himself a lot of bulk. Yeah, like he's he just, just he's like a tree trunk. Big. He's like he's not that thing. defined, but he looks like a bouncer at exactly. a bar. Right. And of course he's bald. The way he's dressed is wonderful. The mask is very intimidating. Great mask design. The, the vest the, is amazing. The vest yeah. and then this like big furry coat he's got that's right. this sort of like part dictator, yeah. part like nightclub bouncer, like part right. like mobster from Russia. And he does it like the scene with Daggett, the do you feel in control scene yeah. where he lays his open hand, uh, what's this part, like front down, like palm up on his shoulder. The back of your hand. The back of your hand. You should know it. Well. <laughs> I'm so tired. Uh, he lay, you know, oh, you know you're what I mean? Tired? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know that scene? Yes. Where And it's like, that's all he needs to do to convince you of his right. physical strength. Right. And then you cut away and you hear Dagger going like, ah! And he's like. Well, and that's, you know, Bane in the comics was written to be a genius. A and a, genius a brilliant who is strategist. Large. Right, right. Yeah, he's both. Right, right. he's both. Uh, and then he had sort of been diminished through various properties. I mean, Batman and Robin did a lot of the damage of just making him the muscle. Yeah. You know, just making him purely yeah, a physical just a force yeah. without that sense of, of strategy, you know? He's mindless in that movie. Right. And But that's the thing. So you've got all this, and then you're like, what's his plan? His plan is to seal Gotham off. Right. And have a nuclear bomb that's part of this, like, nuclear power plant that Bruce Wayne built but never used. He wants to destroy the government. He wants to give power to the people, but not for any clear reason. But he doesn't, actually, because in that big speech that you right. let the podcast off with, He's saying, like, I'm going to pretend like I'm giving power to the yeah. people and then blow them up. So it's like him trying to do the, the Ra's al Ghul thing that he was trying to do in the first movie, except why waste all the time? Why would you ever just, just blow, blow them up? up? If you got the bomb, just blow them up. He's got this idea where there's a trigger man who is, uh, turns out to be Talia, who right. can blow up the bomb at any point. Uh, but uh, Which feels kind of jokery that wait. he's trying to prove a point about the uh, people and their their intents. What and points their, he proving? He's not proving any point, and the point has no gain to him, and it's not like philosophically that's what he believes in. He like gives the all these speeches, right, where he's like, yeah, sorry, finally, the men, yeah. you know, the many will have power over the few, yada, yada, and he locks right. the police away. 
in this like crazy thing where he lures them all underground. So it's and like, then, okay, so he hates police, he hates government, but then he lets the criminals out and gives them all machine guns. So it's like, so he so likes So people chaos. are supposed to be like, oh, I love Bane. He's really cleaned up the city. And then of course his big moments are, he blows up a, a football field. Right. Which is this like impressive shot, but it's because it's CGI. Yeah. It, it, it it's one of those Nolan things that doesn't really it's work weird. for me. It's yeah. fine. And it would be impressive in another movie because the rest of it's so practical. Like you can tell all that stuff with the bat that they were actually oh, so hanging cool. that thing up. The bat up. is awesome. You can tell that they use the CGI to green screen sure, out, sure, sure. you know, the wires or whatever. But you can tell there's actually a fucking physical thing it's, running it's a very, those And it's a cool thing, in my opinion. It's a very, very cool thing. Uh, but the, so then when you have the football stadium explode, even if it's a striking imagery, it jars with the rest of Nolan's like dogma. And it seems to prove no purpose, except I guess he's just announcing himself. Right. And then, so he does that. And wait, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, oh, and then he reads the speech right. by Jim Gordon where he's like, in fact, listen to Jim Gordon. And yes. saying like, see, this piece of paper proves it. And everyone's like, oh, you must be right. He's got a piece of paper. Like, There's a Looney Tunes character your Bane impression sounds like. I'm, I'm close to figuring out who your Bane impression is. Marvin the Martian. Yes, that's who it is. You sound like Marvin the Martian. Great. Thank Take you. control of your city. Yes, yes. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Great, I can sleep now. Now I can go to sleep. Now I just love the idea of Marvin the Martian <laughs> being the villain. <laughs> love Marvin the Martian. When Gotham is destroyed, you will have my permission to die. You do a much better Marvin the Martian. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, so you came back to die with your city? <laughs> it is good, Jesus. That's really it's good, really- so my problem with Bane is his plan just seems to end up being a story mechanic Agreed. to let Batman go away, heal up with Tom Conti, right. raconteur, legend of British theater, and then get his back right, <laughs> right, climb out of the pit using the rope, but then he doesn't use the rope. And so the pit's supposed to be another non-literal version of the Lazarus pit, right? Is that the idea? I guess so, because That's the like whole a movie everyone was like, from, yeah. oh, there's a Lazarus pit. For example, check out this press photo of a pond. That has to be the Lazarus Pit. Liam Neeson's coming back. And instead, <laughs> Liam Neeson does come back for one, like, vision. Yeah. Which is confusing. Yeah. Where he's like, let me explain to you how it all works. I'm the father of not Bane. Anyway, how would I know that? Goodbye. Right? Like, I, it's so weird. Yeah. He, he shows up to trigger a flashback to a thing that actually happened. Josh Pence. They put that no, no, but he also him. triggers the flashback to him saying, "I had a wife once." <laughs> right, it's true. Love. It's true. You know, because the Josh Pence flashback is triggered by Tom Conti, not by Neeson. Neeson you know, shows up to so, remind him that he had a wife and child. That's that's what being a pro is when you trigger a Josh Pence flashback. Tom Conti, man, uh, it's so funny. I kept Oscar on asking. Nominee. I kept on asking them to let me do that on draft day, and they were like, "You're not ready, Graf." To, to, to trigger Josh Pence. I was like, can I say something that triggers a flashback to Bo Callahan in high school? And they're like, Griff, you're not ready. You're still gaining you're your sea legs. You're not Conti level. Come you're on. not Conti level. You got to go in a pit for six months and have him yeah. wrap some ropes around you with Army Hammer. The idea is that, like the- Army Hammer plays the bald guy who's blind. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, He's a chameleon. The pit's really weird in this movie too because it's like a jail without guards. Without guards that's uh, not that intense. It right. seems like it's just a bunch of old guys shuffling around a very weird amount of stairs. Who have kind of found inner peace in life. Yeah, they seem all very chill. Right, and want to impart their wisdom onto other people. And it's tuned to like Gotham local news. The TV is particularly weird to me. <laughs> well, he's like, ah, oh, the worst prison in the world. The only channel we get is Fox 5. <laughs> (laughs) 
and yet we're told <laughs> halfway around the world we're told we have Ernie and Astis <laughs> keep fucking that chicken um, we're told over and over again by the people in the prison how bad the prison is and how like it was such a miracle that Talia escaped yes. it a man is as good as dead if he comes down here. No one gets out of the pit alive. Oh, let's see how many wormy apples Neil Rosen gave Valerian. Do you want your eggs scrambled or poached today? The only options in the worst prison. There are no guards and they're like, look, only the worst people end up in this prison. But if you can make it out alive, you're free to go. Yeah, no. The rules of this prison are you can't leave. The only way out is to climb that thing. And the only thing you have is a rope <laughs> and stones set into the wall. And you get as many tries as you want. Get as many tries as you want, but be careful and make sure to wrap that rope around you. Yeah. Oh, and also, if you do get to the top, you can let everybody out. Oh, oh, no. Also, if you do get up to the top, there is a private plane waiting right there to take you wherever you need to go. Because Batman gets out of there wearing rags and right. he shows up in Gotham the next day and he's like, Hey, Selena, I got here. But the bridge is, yeah, well, I'm here. The pit's kind of just like Big Brother, right? I guess. Or like Survivor. Yeah, it just it's feels like, like, it's like a I'm Mark a celebrity Burnett getting show. me out of here. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's so weird. And that's too bad because I do like a lot of the imagery. I yeah. like how the pit looks. Yes. Like, I like even the sort of like the cut to Gotham in the snow and the, the tumblers are rolling around and uh, John Blake's making the little Batman marks. Yeah everywhere in chalk and like I, I this, the imagery is there and Nolan's command of the set pieces is there it's a very well directed movie in terms of directing that script the best anyone possibly could but he doesn't know what story he's telling and then when you get to the climax it's this I mean it's sweaty like you it's say it's a clusterfuck like the thing it's, where it's, it's a like, clusterfuck we have to get the bomb that he's been driving around because today's the day it blows up which feels like a weird homage to the Adam West Batman movie where he's it trying really to get rid does. of the bomb yeah, exactly. in the Batcopter yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really interesting Yeah, and then also we need to have this strange image of a mob of cops fleeing down the street charging the people in this like you know yeah sequence yeah the the whole thing's odd and the whole sense of like okay gotham's gone underground there are only a couple cops but they can't even admit who they are modine's a a yellow-bellied coward modine i think modine's good he's not bad and then he dies i know brutal yeah um but but i i think if you want to make a movie about a city collapsing he has to focus more on the city and not just three people dealing with the problem yeah you know like as as much as it can be pinpointed as like the moment where he gets kind of sloppy and unfocused, mm-hmm. for the larger philosophy of the movie, the two boats thing in Dark Knight really does a lot. You know, like even if it's weird storytelling, it makes Gotham matter, and the fact that he gives the people that choice and they make the right choice matters. Yeah, and this doesn't do anything like that. And I'm not saying they need to have two boats again. I'm not saying they need to have human beings, you know, regular citizens rising up and making their own choices and doing the yeah. right thing. But the, the the movie doesn't have enough of a sense of place considering how much the plot is about <sighs> Gotham. Gotham being hobbled, being removed from the rest of the world, also, cut how, off. How did they make the bat signal in gas onto the Brooklyn Bridge? And also, that's a waste of time. I'm sorry. I know you want people to know that Batman's back, but like, 
how many men had to climb up that bridge and just with a paintbrush just run gasoline up and down it? No, I think the wing is a little more of a 20 degree angle. Okay, thank oh, you, Catwoman. Oh, we had it upside down the whole time. Fuck, we gotta start yeah, over. Yeah, right, let's go the other side. Uh, it's a weird movie. Very weird movie. Uh, the ending is he fights Bane, beats him, and Bane is like, but I broke you. Like, he's like surprised, even though he left him in the prison to not die. Right. Uh, he beats Bane by punching him a bunch, and then Selina shoots him. And then Talia shows up, stabs Batman. Yes. Gives a whole speech, long speech, drives the bomb around for five minutes, dies very quickly. And she's an Academy Award winner, so she does kickstart a couple Pence flashbacks. Uh-huh. She knew how to do it. Uh, good job. Thank you. Uh, the most mocked and inexplicable death scene, right? Yeah. That is just where she's just sort of shakes her head and she's dead. She also just suddenly shows up wearing supervillain clothes. She does. She's wearing this this sort of like Middle Eastern like caftan thing. Right. Uh, where. That's very tied to the. I mean, she's wearing like like uh, the Ken Watanabe sort of outfit from uh, Batman Begins. A more muted version of that. Okay. And I just. Oh, right. Yeah. With Nolan. It's like Nolan's a meticulous filmmaker. Yes. He puts a lot of effort into this stuff. Right. right? How is that the take they use of her dying? Yeah. It has to be a conscious choice. Right. Like Cotillard's like, I want to play it this way. But it's a weird take. I, You know Wally Pfister. This is the I last do. movie that they worked on together. Yes. I would love to know why that's the take. Sure. Like, I would too. Is it just because Cotillard was like, no, this is my conception of how she dies. And that's how I want to play it. Because I cannot believe that of all the takes were like that. If otherwise, you know what I mean? Sure. It's, I, I would love an answer to that, too. I mean, would you agree that it's a much-mocked thing on yes. YouTube, the sort of the Cotillard death scene? I also think this characterization, and it's because of the amount of time they spend with the misdirect, which never works, right? They never sell it properly, is shitty because one of the things that's interesting about Talia as a character is that uh, she is a genuine romantic partner for Batman. Right. That they do have a real relationship, even though they stand on opposite sides of what they represent, you know? Like, it's not just like, oh, they fuck and then they fight. They turn right. on each other. They, oh, the like, sex what? scene is weird. <sighs> sweaty. Really? This is sweaty stuff. Yeah. He needs it to happen so he has it happen. Right. It's like very pushed along. But I also think like the moment she reveals herself to be Talia, it's like, I'm all bad. And the thing that's interesting about Talia as a character is you can't figure out if she's all bad. Uh-huh. You know, that like, well, maybe there's something there. Right. You know? And you already have that with Catwoman. Exactly. So it's yes, kind of had on a hat to have both of them. I just think, and I, as I said already, it's just weird to have her not do anything physical. Agreed. When the whole point of the prison is, I mean, not the whole point because it's psychological too, but like is, it's such a physical achievement to leave it. And the, the League of Shadows is like such a ninja-like physical organization. I will say this. I don't know if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I, I think I'm right about this. Cotier mm-hmm. just had a baby right before the movie. Uh-huh. And there was like, everyone wanted her to play Catwoman. They were like, ah, oh, the pregnancy, she might not be able to. Then they announced Hathaway. Then she delivered the baby. And then they cast her. And her announcement came a little later. And I think they maybe shot her stuff towards the end. She, right. They might have written out physical stuff because she was in a recovery state. 
Yeah, I mean, that seems plausible. I'm trying to find in her personal life. Her children, uh, in 2011, they had their first child, a son. In 2017, their second child, a daughter, with Guillaume Canet. Yeah. The guy who made The Beach. Uh, No, he didn't make The Beach. He's in The Beach. Yeah. What did he make? His, he made, he what was it called Blood Ties? That was his American Blood film. Blood Ties. Tell No One was his big... Right. That's a good movie. That's like a little yeah, French I'm not crazy thriller. about his movie. Uh, he drives me a little crazy. But, but, but. Okay. Um, it is, it's a weird use of all these characters. Now, when the movie came out, everyone was like, how are they going to fucking top the Joker? How, how are you going to do this? And I remember everyone being very disappointed with Bane at the time. But Bane's Idiots. staying power has been kind of astonishing. Yeah. Because for a movie that Because is, it's so unusual and right. no one's ever tried anything like it since. Right. It's a generally disliked movie. Yeah, because I would say the movie came out, got good reviews. Yeah, it got like 95% Yeah, on, no, no. And because uh, it is the this dumb very impressive sites. epic yeah. score, right. epic scale thing. And the Dark Knight reaction was so positive and in the Inception re- reaction. Yeah. So, right. And then quickly, it's reputation diminished right Bane's reputation yeah I would agree increased because it was weird is that like the Bane love isn't like well it's kind of like a weird like curio like this bad performance in a bad movie that's bad. interesting bad uh, I, I almost burped there while mm. saying bad um, a bad performance in a bad movie that is interesting for unintentional reasons it is like well this movie sucks but Bane's good all the Bane shit's good Bane's Which kind of interesting I would largely Agree with. He's interesting as a construct. It's a good design. It's a great performance. And Bane also remains funny. Like, in the way that I was saying, it's the opposite of what I was saying of, like, I feel like Ledger's Joker's been diminished a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah, just by in, people running into the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bane is still always funny to me. Bane rocks. Anytime anyone draws Bane, I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. You put Bane in another situation, I think it's funny. I Anytime still think you do a Bane joke voice, construction is funny. of this would be blah, like, pause for you. Yes. I still think that's funny. Yes. I do too. Everything about Bane's funny. He's a good comedian. It's too bad that he died in this movie. I know. R.I.P. Michael K. Bane. And yes, and the saddest part of all is he died before ever making a Lloyd team. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been so a while. So he made that joke. Yes. This joke will be very repetitive. For you. Uh, movie ends. Batman goes to live with Selena Kyle and Florence. Uh, Alfred, Alfred goes to get Fanny Branca. He's also in. Alfred has like not much, not much, not much. But Kane really kills it. The early scene, the Fernay Branca, yeah. and then the, the the graveyard crying scene right at the end, right. And then he's like, uh, goes to get another Fernay Branca. Yeah, the sad one, Fernay Branca. I could then, say because they're drinking Fernay Branca, uh, it's sort of a bitter ending or bitter finish. Uh, and then he sees them hanging out Bale looking great by the way really great where you're like fuck he's hot like get him right he is hot Batman and Robin am I right seriously and uh, then yeah that shot of Blake swinging into the waterfall discovering the Batcave we black out on the thing rising I I mean I I think that's a nice thing I don't think the movie earns that ending but I think that's the right way for the trilogy to end do you want to play the box office game I do so Avengers had broken all the box office records yep. that had previously been owned by the Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight was like 154. And then Avengers, I think, opened to like... Two, 202 or something yeah, crazy? Right. Past two. Um, or, or, or Harry Potter had broken the records in between. But anyway, uh, Avengers was the first to crack two. 
And when Avengers outperformed, people were like, oh my God, if Avengers did that much, imagine how much Dark Knight's going to do. 207. 207. Right. But yeah, but then Dark Knight uh, does open a little low. The shooting uh, happens midnight. It, it scared people a little bit. It continued to do really well. It multiplied well, but it, the opening wasn't as huge as they thought it It made $160 million opening weekend. Yeah. Domestic total, 448 and worldwide 1.08 basically the same worldwide total as the dark knight slightly right higher. it made a little more overseas a little less domestic exactly yeah uh so it opens number one okay. july 20th 2012 okay number two is an animated film that had come out and debuted at number one the week before brave no that is number five that's number five okay yes is it a dream which is made 205 208 it is a fox picture is a fox, it's just a blue sky film? I think so. Is it an ice age? Yes, but which ice age? Is it continental drift? Yes, correct. Hell yeah. Boy. It is, oh boy, what, is that the fourth? That's the fourth one. The fourth one, yeah. So we, that's there, We've talked man. about this way too much on the podcast, but yeah. Number it's the fourth one. three has been out for three weeks. Okay. It's a superhero movie. It has made $180 million. It was a disappointment compared to the film that had come before it although it was not really connected to that film Interesting. 2012 is it an x-men picture no it is not really because first class is i think 2011 i think so too and wolverine is 2013 mm -hmm. right the wolverine best one agreed um 2012 is not a oh it's not a marvel movie is it Marvel character, not a Marvel movie. Marvel character. It's not a Marvel movie. So it's not... Oh, oh, Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield and... Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary and Larry Lenny Clark. Maybe not. Uh, number... Uh, give me that uh, Spider-Man. Number four has been out for four weeks. Oh, All these are movies symmetry. that were number one their first weekend and okay. have dropped like... As the next one came in. Okay. So this was number one four weeks ago. It is a comedy, R-rated comedy. I would use that two? loosely. No. Sure, he'd use it loosely. I think it's because he thinks it's not funny. It's not funny. It's R-rated body. It's an original comedy? Yeah. Starring a big comedy star? Kind of. Made by a big comedy guy. Interesting. Starring a guy who's like been in comedies. I don't know if I'd call him a comedy star. Was it not an Apatow movie? No. Other guy. The other guy. And it's not Todd Phillips' movie. No. It's an odd couple kind of situation. True. It's a two-hander. It's a two-hander. Sort of. And neither of them are... Oh. Oh. <laughs> what is it? It's Ted. Ted! Yeah. America loved Ted. And then you got number five, which is Ted brave. opened to 50 and did 250. Huge right? hit. That's insane. And then 218, Ted, 218. Okay, but Ted 2, it was amazing how roundly everyone was like, nah, no more of that. There was really no need for it. But I didn't think there was need for Ted 1. But at least Ted, Ted 1 is like, oh, it's a funny idea. They made a gross comedy. Like, ha, 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 Ted ha. is, I, I will say this. I'll give him credit where credit's due. Like, one of the most effective one sheets. It's not like a beautiful poster. No, I get like, you. It's just put... Mark Wahlberg on a couch with a teddy bear and they're both like holding beers and it's like you've sold your movie. If people want to see that they know exactly what it is the pitch is that simple and that dumb. Right. 
Okay, Ted, and then Brave is number five. Brave number five. You've also got Magic Mike uh, hanging out. Masterpiece. It's made $101 million in four weeks. Great Very movie. impressive. Yep. Savages, the Oliver Stone joint that I've never seen. Never seen it either. Uh, Tyler Perry's Mar- Medea's Witness Protection. That's 60 the mil. Larry the Cable Guy one, I believe. Or that's the, uh, no, that is the Eugene Levy one. Yes, correct. Uh, he's wearing sunglasses on the poster. Funny. Plays Jim's dad. Funny, funny. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, which was a summer release yeah. or late spring. I forget summer, exactly. Summer, came out in June. Uh, to Rome with Love is up there. Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. And a movie we may one day do on this very podcast, Dark Shadows. Wink, wink. Wink, 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 That Dumbo movie sure sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds like a real blank check to me. Yep. I guess so. They're making another Dumbo movie? Live action. Directed by Tim Burton. Colin Farrell and Will Smith. Will Smith's not in Michael Keaton's in it. Because they moved Will Smith over to something else. Aladdin. Aladdin. To play the genie. That was that was that Disney? Is that a Disney? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they they like they didn't bury that shit like it should be. They're like, let's bring it back and revisit this horrid, horrid movie. Which what, what's so yeah, hard? Which one are you talking Dumbo? about? Dumbo. Well, the the crows. Well, I assume well, they're not yeah. bringing back the crows. Yeah. That would be uh, quite a move. Yeah. What if Tim Burton at Comic Con or whatever was like D twenty three? The crows are in it. Oh. We cast all Vine Stars. <laughs> Vine Stars are playing the crows. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's it. That's that. That's right? that. That's, yeah, we did it. That yeah, concludes about two hours. Yeah, the Bartman saga. Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't. I wonder. Did you feel like disappointed in Nolan? Like, was the hype less for you when Interstellar came around? Because he'd made a much more disappointing movie. Because before then, it had always been like, oh, Nolan, he's great. You know, hit, hit, hit. It was kind of, I'd say my Interstellar hype was maybe even greater because it was like, okay, now he's getting back to what he clearly wants to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was very hyped for Interstellar, but I love space. Like, I love astronaut movies. That's like my favorite movie. I love space. I thought the trailers for that movie were some of the best trailers ever cut. Yeah. Well, it's his best film, and we'll talk about it next week. Great. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it in like a couple of weeks, but. Right. Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> Humble rag. I'm biffy. I'm biffy. Uh, well, this has been our episode on The Duck Knight Rises. True. Thank you all very much for listening. Yep. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. He said it. Thank you to Lane Montgomery for his theme song. Ooh, mixing it up. The order. And for Gouda for social media. Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. Go to the Blanky subreddit for some real nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. Blankies.reddit.com. Yes. And. As always. As always. He's really searching for something. He's grabbing in the air. What's he going to say? Uh, I, I, I'm Bane. Thanks. Uh, got it, Marvin the Martian for us. I broke you. Have you come back? <laughs> That's better. Oh, boy.